Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. This is episode 151. Guys, we just celebrated a massive milestone, 150 episodes of Sherm in the Booth. Make sure you go check out that interview with Alex Kislov, but I got one thing to report to you right now. It's time to keep this ball rolling. Episode 151 features one of the biggest artists I've had on the show yet, UK-based DJ producer Ben Rainey. I've been a fan of Ben for a few years now, and it's truly an honor to have him on the show. I remember I discovered him on SoundCloud. He did this remix. It was a James Hype remix, and I was like, wow, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to follow him, and it has been such a joy seeing him grow over the past couple years, and now to have him on the show, ah, man, my heart is full. You guys are going to enjoy this interview. We had so many powerful conversations on tons of relatable topics, honestly, for people in and out of the music industry. In episode 151, we discuss Ben's early days as a DJ producer. Ben grew up in Northern England and has hustled his way to becoming one of the most well-known UK house acts today. He gave us the full story on the highs and lows of his early days and lessons learned from that time. I had a blast also talking about Ben's discography. Probably would have been a four hour interview if he ran through everything he's ever released. So we hit some of the highlights and he's had some seriously incredible releases. We talked about the stories of some of his biggest tracks from 2018 through now. He's had massive releases like Put Em High, Every Single Time and Secrets. And it's no surprise that he continues to grow more and more on a worldwide scale every single day. We also had a great discussion on how important it is to be more than just a DJ. Now, although Ben is an established DJ producer, he's been able to grow his brand by developing tons of unique content, including themed live streams and sets, production courses, edit and remix packs, DJ lessons, and more. Now, all things considered, the past year for Ben has actually been the biggest yet from a streaming and a growth perspective. And although COVID has put the entire music industry in a bind, he knows once live shows are back in the mix, he's gonna be ready to bring his energy in real life to a city near you. And man, I can't wait to see when he's back in action touring. I truly do have a ton of respect and admiration for Ben. His energy is infectious and his passion for music is so inspirational. I know there are so many artists out there struggling to find creativity and meaning right now, but just know there are people out there like Ben and I who wanna help you. We can all win in this game if we choose to help each other. Collaboration over competition. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time and I can't wait one day to meet you in person, my friend. Let's get into it right now, guys, so you can hear Ben's story for himself. This is episode 151 with Ben Rainey. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? I'm coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois. I'm here with my man, Ben Rainey. Ben, it is such an honor to have you on the podcast, man. Like, genuinely, I'm such a huge fan before we got on air. I told you, I've been following you for like, it's been three and a half years. So oh big God. fan here. Thank you so much for making the time, man. Where are you at in the UK right now? No, bro, firstly, thank you for having me, man. Like, it's so humbling to hear that from, you know, places where I dream of 
visiting, you know, and dream of gigging and dream of kind of coming. So like to hear that from you is awesome. And yeah, yeah I'm 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 the furthest north in the UK you could probably get. So <laughs> every everybody in everybody of your way probably hears of London. Yeah. I'm the complete opposite end of the country to that. So yeah, that's where I'm at, man. It's it's a cool place. It's very cultural, very nice kind of humble people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good. It's really good. You've got a rich history of music in that part of England too, don't you? Yeah, you know, there's some like we we kind of have this joke of like the northerners are like the, the kind of the real music kind of culture. <laughs> the northerners, you know, the yeah. Real people. And then the southerners are just the big city guys and the kind of swaggy, <laughs> you know. But like I won't offend anybody because there's probably gonna be some London boys listening. And I, I, at the end of the day, that's where the magic happens. So respect to them guys as well, you know. City lights though, man. And uh, I've heard a lot of mm-hmm. uh, interviewed a lot of uh, UK DJs, somebody you know actually, Jet Boot Jack. Uh, legend, legend. Yeah, man. He is and he, a he's a London boy. Yeah, he is a London boy. And he was telling me some great stories just kind of about how, you know, you go from small city in England to small city, and then you kind of just eventually keep getting bigger and bigger, and then you get your way to London. It's funny how it works like that in the Yeah, UK. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I don't want to say too much, because there's a lot of good guys down south. And, and Oh, yeah. And, uh, he's one of the, he's probably the nicest man. Like, he's, he's a, such a, a legend. It's... it's his, his, his music's incredible, so yeah, big he up Jeff Boudreaux. He's an inspiration to me, man, and, and it's mm-hmm. funny because when I was looking back through a lot of your music, like I said, I rediscovered how long I've been following you for, and I got another another level of respect for you after kind of doing my research for this interview, man. You are someone who has truly, truly hustled your way to where you're at, and I mm-hmm. wanted to just take a second to acknowledge you, man, because Thanks, it's bro. not easy, and you got to love what you do, and I'm yeah. sure you've had a lot of downs, just as as many ups. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot of personal motivation. So kudos to you, Ben, for real. Thank, thanks, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always that fear of, you know, if you have a big track, which, you know, I don't really think I've had yet, but, you know, you could have that commercial hit and then people think you've come out of nowhere, but then, yeah. you know, a little bit of research will show you that actually this this kid's been doing this for so long. And, and I yeah. think only in the last, in the last 12 to 18 months as I've started gaining a slight bit of traction to the point of, you know, I'm getting a bit more recognized and, you know, as cliche as it might sound, the Instagram followers are going up and the engagement and all this, but, but at the end of the day, I've been doing it without that for so long to get that. And like, I just always fear that people might think, Oh, like, where's this kid come from? But I just <laughs> literally, I've, I've, I've been through everything, what you just said, the dark days, the doubt, the worry, the anxiety, the, the stress, the sleepless nights, which we all have been through. And, and, yeah. and I hope there's somebody out there that's going through that now yep. who hasn't got to where they want to be can hear me say that, you know, the day you give up is the day you lose the opportunity and the day you carry on, you know, you, you're always going towards your goals. You know, every, every storm finished, like not, you, the storm never lasts forever. Like even if you're going through, you know, stress, financial yep. sleep, you know, motivation, just keep plugging away because eventually things will start to move and I mean you know I'm only really just getting going but I hope there's a lot more to come and, and I really appreciate what you're saying man honestly it's, it's so yeah. nice to hear it from from the other side of the world it's it's so humbling like it's incredible preach man there's something I think about every single day it's just a simple quote I want to see what happens if I don't give up mm. that's it it doesn't have to be any more it doesn't have to be any less I want to see what happens if I don't give up and yeah. in our industry even just the music industry in general, right? 
there are a lot of things that you go through individually that maybe some people have other ex- have experienced, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just you in a dark room and it's up to you to keep going. And dude, it's just so cool to see how far you've come, man. Like you said, the past 12 to 18 months, blown up, man. Like your YouTube is fucking awesome. You've got this great personal brand. You do all these incredible tutorials, how-tos. I mean, not to mention you're an incredible DJ producer as well. It's just like, it's (laughs) inspiring. And and you're a great example of, of in my eyes, what you have to do to really take it to the next level. So it's great to see you reaching some of your goals, man. But also... You're not done yet. You got a lot, a lot coming, don't you? Mm, yeah, literally, man. Like, it's, it's, it's like you say. Like, you know, I think we're all. You just said sometimes you sat in a dark room. Let's be honest. Ninety-nine yeah. percent of the time you sat in a dark room <laughs> on your own. You know, yep. you've got your headphone. You've got. I've literally switched on a light to do this <laughs> podcast. Like, if if I turn the light off, bro, like you can literally only see. Um, the ambient lighting in the background, but I yeah. think, you know, like for me, it's been a case of, you know, I've been, I've had, I've, I've, I've set myself a standard, which I'm, I refuse to drop. And it does come with pros and cons. The pros are, you know, other people do recognize that. And I've had so much um, great feedback on how personal and how um, professional things look and everything looks on point and the branding. But the, the, the downside is, Things are very hard. I can't just put content out because everything's got to be so OCD in my head. <laughs> but at the same time, like it's starting to get recognised. So it's like, right, I've been I've been stressing for like years on getting everything right, and finally, people are starting to notice. You know, I see I'm seeing DJs pop up with the same kind of logos, the same kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the same kind of look online and the same yeah. uh, like lighting and everything in my videos. Which I'm not saying is you know, any, I'm not trying to be, a, yeah, I'm not saying I've changed the world, but right. it's nice to know that people are looking at me as a tastemaker, I guess, and saying, well, he's doing it like this, so we'll do it like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, bro, at the end of the day, like, we're, we're all, we're all on the same journey, you know, like, I look at other people that might be 10 steps ahead of me, and I wish I was in their position, and people yeah. might look at me and think, I wish I was what Ben was doing, and like, you're never going to be, you're never going to be you know, not content, but you're never going to be as far as somebody else or behind someone. You've just oh, yeah. got to enjoy the journey. You've just got to enjoy it, bro. Exactly, man. Comparing yourself will will be the end of you. But it's so important to understand. I think this past year has been, um, you know, horrible in so many different ways, but mm-hmm. also really eye-opening for people individually because a lot of people have been in that dark room that we're talking about. Inside and outside of the music industry. And I see people unifying and coming together and talking about mental health. And I know that's something you're passionate about as well. Um, And these things need to be discussed as a community, as team members on earth, man. We're all humans. And and that's something that I really try and discuss and and wear my heart on my sleeve and want people to know that it's okay to discuss these things when you're feeling down. Like, let's all help each other get to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally, bro. Like, it's it's always been important, but I think now more than ever it needs to be uh, highlighted. And I think anybody that's willing to step out there and kind of discuss it, you know, we're not asking you to 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 sit and reel the problems that you've faced or your demons or your your issues or your your medical history. But you've yeah. just got to kind of anybody that's ever faced any adversity or any kind of like struggle especially in the music industry, because it is a lonely game. And, you know, I don't know how it works for you over there, but for me, it's like, 
I can be dri- I can like drive to a gig at like midnight and then I can get home at six in the morning. Yeah. I probably spoke to I, sometimes I can speak to one bouncer or you know two two members of staff in the club who've asked me if I wanted a Red Bull and then <laughs> and then I'm back in and then I'm back in the car. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm I'm you know my adrenaline's running deep. I'm trying to stay awake at the wheel and then you get in bed and all of a sudden you're on Instagram at six in the morning yeah. and you're wide awake. Yeah. And it is a vicious, it can be a vicious area to be in. Yeah. Um, and it's admittedly in lockdown, it's been a breath of fresh air to come away from that. Yes, you know, there's been struggles and yes, I've missed the gigs. Yes, I've missed the crowd, the interaction, yeah. but yeah. it's been a breath of fresh air to sit back and, and learn a little bit about me and how my body and my mind work a little bit more and explore kind of different avenues like YouTube and tutorials. Bro, I've got, a, I've got like, I think I've got like three and a half thousand students enrolled in my courses, and wow, to me, yeah, and 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 that, to me, that's just mind blowing that people want to learn from me how to DJ and make music, and <laughs> I've got so many plans to give back to the community and give back to the people. I mean, admittedly, it was I'll I'll, I'll I'm like you, bro. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'll admit yeah. that when I when I started doing these courses and this YouTube, it was to keep a roof over my head. It was to make money. It was to sell courses. But the difference between my course, I'm not saying disrespect to anyone else. The reason I did it was to make money, but I put 120% into everything and I overloaded them with information and I charge a minimum price. But because of that, the word gets around and there's courses of selling and I'd rather sell them for less premium but sell more courses and make them more accessible. I, mm-hmm. I give a lot of courses away. To be honest, I, if anybody under the age of 16 who wants to learn to DJ, yeah. I just let them have the courses for free because I'm not restricting anybody from accessing these courses. I, I throw money away, but I want to help people. That's what I'm trying to say. Is like, yeah. you'll, end up, you'll end up being more successful and making, generating more income by being a genuine person. So I'm not, I'm not phased by that, but I'm just so grateful that people trust me to learn from me and, I've heard some, you know, great things of my students getting signed to record labels, Amazing. you know, getting gigs, you know, lockdown DJ sets online, everything. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it keeps me going, man. It keeps me going. So that's amazing, man. Yeah. You, you really are an inspiration. And I'm so glad that that's fulfilling for you because even if you only make a difference to one person, it really matters. So that's awesome. That's it, man. And we're going to unpack some more of that later, but one of the main reasons <laughs> I want to talk to you today is not only about everything you're doing, man, but I want to know more about you, how you got to where you're at now. Okay. You mentioned you were you were born in northern UK. Tell me about growing up in that part of the country and and what it was like yeah. from a, a musical perspective. Were your parents musical? When did you first get exposed to house music? So on and so forth. Cool, man. Yeah, well, this this could be an hour's conversation. So can <laughs> yeah, give us the highlights then. Whatever you think. <laughs> get locked in because this is a long one. No, I mean, all right, bro. Like honestly, honestly, like you know. Where I'm from, where I live, the people I've been around, the experiences, like, you know, it's just been, it's been amazing, you know, like, yeah, there's been times when it's been struggle, there's, there's good people, there's bad people, but yeah. when you go somewhere else and you hear other people's stories, you soon realize how lucky you are to have the family and the support and the girlfriend and the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've just had uh, just an amazing upbringing of, you know, my family, there's nobody in my family that's um, in the, mu- the house music industry, but, you know, my mum and dad are so musically knowledgeable from, like, rock and roll to soul to disco to funk to house. Yeah. Like, they know everything. Like, they're into everything. So, like, that, the diversity of growing up around that 
um, having, you know, a couple of singers in the family, like my uncle's a singer, uh, my sister's into music. Like, I have been around music, but not DJing. Like, there's no producers, no DJs. So getting into my teenage years, you know, fast forward a little bit, I don't want to give everybody my life story, but, <laughs> um, you know, getting into the teenage years was, you know, you start partying, you start going to clubs, but, but, but being honest, um, I'm not a massive drinker. I don't really party. I don't do anything, you know, I, I don't drink. So I, I certainly don't do narcotics or anything yeah. like that. And, yeah. and, and although that's, you know, not to go too deep into anything, it's like, I just, I just like to stay in control a lot. I like to kind of be me and like, I've, I've got this kind of hyperactive energy anyway. So it's like, yeah, for me to go and drink or do party drugs or anything like that, it's like, it wouldn't work. It'd have the negative, it'd have a reverse, um, reverse effect on me. Cause I'm already quite like vibrant and energetic. <laughs> yeah, so you are. Got, yeah. And, and the, but the problem was, is, is that you go into a club and you, you, you don't get me wrong. I drink, I do, I do drink. I'm not boring. Like I do drink, but I'm not like, a, I'm not, I'm not like 10 tequila, 11 tequila, 12 tequila. Yeah, yeah, I'm more yeah. like a, I like to enjoy my drink, but I was always going to the clubs and just listening and listening. And I, and I, I kind of just started like, um, getting to know what was getting played and kind of going home and getting on SoundCloud and then finding a remix, which was better than the one that I had in the club. Oh, yeah. And, and then what had happened is I'd go to the house party next week and I'd plug my phone into the, the cable and I'd start pumping out my SoundCloud playlist. And <laughs> I kind of built up this reputation of being like a, the party, like jukebox guy. Like the, the, yeah. I was like the Spotify of the house party. So, <laughs> so I, yeah. So I was pumping the music out, but there was no intentions of DJing. And this was building up and building up. And all my friends was like, let Ben put the music on, let Ben put the music on. Um, I was probably like 19, 20 and going out and, I quickly started loving the music, but not really enjoying the um, drunken kind of yeah. element of it. And I and I, I felt a little bit out of place in the clubs because you know if you're the sober guy, it's it's a little bit awkward. So I kind of started um, you know feeling a bit out of place, but loving the music. So I'd be stood near the booth, and um, not I wasn't even looking at the decks. I wasn't looking at the DJ. I wasn't in, I wasn't in awe of the DJ. I just wanted to know the music. I just loved the music. So. I'd stand there, I'd listen, and then I'd do my homework. And then I think it was like a 21st, when I was like 20, no, 2021. Yeah. So this, I'm 20, I'm only 26 now. So this isn't like years ago. This is like right. five years ago. Yeah. So like maybe five years ago, like it was, it got to Christmas and my mum and dad was like, right, what do you want? And it was like, <laughs> what do I actually want? Like, I've yeah. always kind of been quite like, um, I love technology. I've always had good laptops and iMacs and iPhones. I didn't really need anything. I was like, what could I get? And then I just remember seeing like some really cheap decks by like Newmark or something. Oh yeah. Really, yeah, like, <laughs> like that, like it was like that big, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't so even have effects, just volume faders. Nothing. Literally just straight <laughs> down the middle. So it was like a hundred, like a hundred pounds, like $120. And I was like, get me that, whatever. Like I didn't even think about it. I wasn't like in I wasn't serious about it. Um and I remember getting it. So this will have been like, yeah. I think I just turned 20 at this point. So I got the decks. Christmas day, I plugged them in, looked at the software and I just said, oh, I'll leave that. I don't understand it. Like, <laughs> I just I just forgot about it. And then I think like over a few months, I maybe like kind of like started fading the tracks in and out. Like dot, like like not very, no, there wasn't mixed. I was just fading tracks in and out. Right. Um, and then maybe in the summer or something, I think I got a few like really basic lessons off like a, f a friend of a friend 
And that kind of explained the whole um, beat matching thing. Very basic, very basic. Like, it, I wasn't taught like yeah. professionally or anything. No disrespect to the guy that taught me. I, it was just like a couple of tips here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, then I, and then I guess from that point, it's like passion and perseverance and uh, dedication. I was literally doing it every night. I become obsessed with it. You know, over time, things get better. And then when I turned 21, um, I maybe like, I think I did a house party or two um, and just kind of like, because I was already quite a popular like kid in my area, yeah. the word started getting around or Ben, ben Rainey's DJing and like, obviously, oh, yeah, but that that comes with a little bit of negativity because you get a bit of jealousy and, you know, you get a little bit of, oh, who does this kid think he is? Like, Oh, God, totally. Yeah, like the, the jealousy came as well and like the negativity came, but I've always been one to kind of, I've got quite a positive aura, so I kind of just laughed, laughed it off. Um, but what had happened was people was joking about me, and then they actually came to the parties and was like, oh, he's, he's got the tunes. Like, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't very good at mixing or confident, but because yeah. I've always been so passionate about like house music and I, and I really delved deep into like the old school, like 90s Chicago, you know, the, the piano house, the organs, the, the deep house stuff, everyone was loving it. And I built up a really good reputation. And then obviously the word got a little bit further and the club promoters was like, right, this kid's doing well at house parties. Let's give him a set in a club. Um, <laughs> Shit. So yeah, so that was that was kind of like the first set was, set was like the most nerve wracking thing I ever did. But because I knew that many people, I'd filled the club by like 10 o'clock. Um, <laughs> but the problem Jesus. was, but the problem was, obviously you tell everybody to come, you get really excited. And then when it actually comes to it, you then like, I just broke down because I looked, I looked out and I was like, oh my God. Like, oh, I know the feeling. And like everyone's there with the phones waiting for my first drop. <laughs> I think I played, Ren like, I played like Renegade Master. You remember Renegade Master? <laughs> I played like Friend Within Renegade Master. But because this is like four or five years ago when Deep House was huge. Yeah. Obviously, the minute everybody heard that back once again, ill behavior back once again, and everyone was just like, I just saw the, the whole crowd, just the phones came up and it was like, whoa, I've got goosebumps thinking about it, yeah? Yeah. Um, and like, that was like, I was basically, I just, I just, I don't remember anything because I was concentrating that much on like getting it right. But obviously the next day I woke up with like the biggest fire in my belly, the biggest, the biggest buzz I've ever had, the the most, it's the most I've ever felt um, fulfilled, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I found my purpose that night and, you know, when times get tough or I feel a bit crap or I feel unmotivated, I have to remember how I felt that very first night I started to yeah. remind myself. Because at the end of the day, like, let's not get this wrong. Like, we all go through phases where we feel like giving up. I, I do every day. Like, every day I think about Same. stopping or, you know, every day I think, should I try something new? Should I do that? But you've got to remember why you started. And if you can remember that and you, and, and you go back to that feeling, you know, that's what motivates you. So obviously that was the start. And yeah, that, that that's just my, my journey up wow. to that point. And that was that was so that will have been like four and a half, five years ago. So, you know, that's that's it's not been a massively long journey, but it's been a very crazy kind of journey from there. You got a taste early on. I had the same experience. Mm. I went to a big college in, in Indiana and you know, massive DJs would tour there. This is 2011 when you know progressive and big room and swedish house mafia and alesso and Chainsmokers are all blowing up and uh, mm -hmm. i just kind of picked it up as well because i was the same thing as you it's funny you told that story because i always would plug in the ox i would always like to play the music 
And yeah. I would DJ on virtual DJ, kind of in like dorm parties, but so simple, just trying to pick the songs yeah. in an easier way. And then I kind of kept enjoying it. And people were like, dude, you should pick up yeah. DJing. And I gave it a shot. And next thing I know, I'm fucking like opening up for Blau on like his college tour. Wow. And Audion, right? And I'm like, oh, sick, dude. Like, this is amazing. Like, I got to keep doing this. Come to Chicago. Dude, I just got sat on my fucking ass. They were like, I don't really care who you open for in college, man. Like, I've been here 10 years. Like, get yeah. in line. And that's when you kind of realize, like, I think a lot of people actually do get a taste of the high life early on. And those are the people that think, I went up like this. That means it's only going down like this. The fact of the matter is, Ben, I know you agree with me. It doesn't matter where you start. It just matters how long you realize you got to go like this. The plateau. Yeah. yeah. The plateau is where you grow. And you might only go up a little bit like this, but the fact that you're still going up, the fact that you're still working on DJing, working on music, working on your brand, whatever it is, you have to keep going. And yeah. here you are now, five years after that, absolutely crushing it. Yeah. You ever take a moment it's and crazy. go, wow. I mean, I kind of brought it out of you here, didn't I? You realize like... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, um, yeah, like, exactly, like, echoing what you said, like, the whole, you know... you there's always going to be a level of, um, you know, you reach a new level and it's like, you feel a little bit out of your depth or people don't welcome you as much. And yep. I faced, I faced all that when I started getting into the clubs, you know, the older DJs started getting jealous, started getting like a little bit like they tried to push me out. And Who's this young guy was, coming in. He, play, he brings yeah, and, people, he hasn't earned his stripes. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And like, Oh, he's a bedroom DJ. He's, he's uses a, like, obviously when you first start, everybody nowadays starts with a controller. Like, yeah. You know, like a little, and like there was all like, oh, he's never played vinyl. I was like, bruh, <laughs> 2018. Like, I I have no disrespect to the to the OGs that know how to play vinyl, yeah? Absolutely. Like, but my my argument is, you know, I can do things on four decks now. Like what, I, like James Hype, you look at James Hype and you think, like I know James, Not I'm not best friends with him, but like I know him personally. And like, yeah, he never started with, he wasn't, he wasn't putting two records on the needle. But at the same time, he will impress he will impress a million more people with what he can do. And I just think like we could go on all day about that and, and that's yeah. not, not to be discussed, but yeah, it's it's a very it's a very taboo subject. I just think embrace everybody, respect the older DJs, but also embrace the new. And that's why I also want to help the next generation and, and I wanna take them under my wing. But yeah, going back to what you said about the the, the looking back and, and 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 stuff, like I kind of it all feels like a, a bit of a fantasy anyway to me. Like, I, I don't take this too serious. Like, I never, I don't see myself as a brand. I just see myself as Ben, little Ben, you know, just having a laugh. And other people are like, oh, you've, you've built up this serious brand and you're smashing it. And you do, I'm like, but I just love what I'm doing. And I think when you enjoy what you're doing, it, it just, you just kind of become accustomed. And in a sense as well, I'm always kind of, I'm so driven in a good way that, I take it in my stride and then I push further and I push further. And, you know, I, I, can't, I, I can tell you off air what's about to happen, but I can't tell you I'm on air yet. But <laughs> it's always happening. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Like pe people might watch this and then in three months, something could happen in my career. And, and like that next step to me is like potentially the biggest step in my career so far. Well, it is, right? It might not happen. It might happen. But at the end of the day, I just, it just doesn't feel real to me. Like, whatever's going on like from signing my first record 
on a minor independent label and getting 50 streams on shop on Spotify to get in <laughs> two or three million to get in two to three million. Like I just appreciate everything. Like, and you, you, you can, you can, I can vouch for this. Like the guys that I was working with at the start, you know, even if I've gone to different places and bigger labels and bigger, uh, I've, I've got bigger gigs or bigger, you know, promoters and stuff. Yeah. I still keep it 100% with all of them guys. I, I still look after my friends. I still look after my family. I still yep. care about the people around me more than I'll ever care about anything else. And yeah. I still reply to every message. I still I, I still give as much support back to people as I would love to receive, you know, when I first started. And to be honest, I never really got that, that support, but I think that's what motivates me to keep humble and keep helping people because... I, I understand how it feels to get that cold shoulder, like you said. I understand that, and I, I know how it feels to feel like the odd one out, feel like you've got to prove something. Yeah. But I guess that also put fire in my belly to do what I've done. Um, but I, I just, I just don't. There's no need for that. There's no need for that kind of awkwardness. Like, if if I see a young DJ smashing it now, I'm gonna get behind him. You know, I've got I've got a track coming out soon on a, on a major label with a a 14 year old that I discovered online who's who's the most talented producer I've ever seen. You know, his dad and his family are, 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 are like mesmerized by it. You know, I will support anybody I can and I will give them the platform that I might be able to give somebody because, you know, why do this for yourself when you can build the team and build the relationships and the experiences with other people? Like, imagine like. Imagine being so selfish that when 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 it's all finished, when all this is finished, bro, and we're we're, we're old and we're <laughs> deaf and we can't hear anything. Imagine not being able to share this like memories with people. Whereas imagine we can ring each other when we're sixteen. Go, bro, do you remember when we toured here? Do you remember when we did this and did that? And like, I I want that I want that feeling, you know. I want yeah, that man. feeling more than anything. So you just got to keep it real, man, and just enjoy the ride. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Yeah. Now, my, my question for you before we get into your music here, and you have so much music, I wish we could talk about every song, but I'm going to pick out some. <laughs> not possible, that? bro. Not possible. I, dude, we've got a few follow-up interviews apparently here that we got to do. We got to do vinyl DJs versus digital DJs. We got to go through every single Ben Rainey track. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to keep it top level here today, but I do have some neat questions for you. So you yeah. DJ before you produced. When did you say, okay, I'm going to take this seriously as a career, as a passion, and when did you actually start producing? Bro, that is such such a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think when I first started DJing, it was whirlwind, it was overwhelming, it was kind of like I just did it for a hobby. You know, I was getting like thirty bucks here and there to do an hour set or two hours, or most of the time I was doing it for free. And yeah. I've, I've, my my background before music is in like IT and kind of like computers and marketing. That's maybe why the branding stuff's quite strong because. I was already doing like website design, photography and stuff. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of my background. So um, I I still had, um, I left school and and I never went to college. I I set up my own website design marketing company. Um, And and I wasn't like, I wasn't smashing it with that. I was just getting by, but I was making like enough money for a young kid to have a good life. Yeah. So because of that, I I never really felt the pressure instantly to like become a, a top paid DJ or make money. I was just enjoying it for about a year, and then obviously, naturally, I started getting better paid gigs. But there wasn't there wasn't like insane gigs. There was just better paid gigs. Yeah. And obviously, oppor- opportunities started arising quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was just snapping the hands off anything I could get. So I, I would play like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday. 
I'd have Wednesdays and Sundays off and see my girlfriend or my friends and my family. Yep. And, you know, I was just doing anything. And I got this reputation in my local area and they used to call me like any grainy. Um, because <laughs> I literally, bro, I literally would just like, yeah, I'll play R&B, yeah, I'll play EDM, yeah, I'll play house, yeah, I'll play disco, yeah, I'll play pop music, yeah, I'll play cheese. I don't care. And, yeah. and that was what, and that was what developed me so quickly into being um, like just so diverse. And you know, I'm a house, I'm a house DJ and producer now, but that's because I've built that reputation up. But I never had that. I never started out. I, I was never a pure house DJ. Not because not because I didn't love house, just because I wanted to be full time as a DJ. So I just took any opportunities. Yeah, totally. Because at the end of the day, unless you're on a good level, you're not just going to be getting house gigs. And uh, so I was I was taking the gigs that was available and. Yeah, basically, I, I kind of fell out of love with this whole marketing world because that, that's a different story. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it, I was never that passionate about it. I just knew I could make money. And then I kind of like slipped, I, I gradually transitioned into DJing because what happened was I was, I was basically, um, I started getting up later. I started being less um, on the ball with my marketing. I started letting people down. I started, you know, slowly, like not really caring about the level of work that I was doing. Yeah. And then I was I was spending more days downloading music and making mixes than I was doing my job. And but because I was making money DJing, I kind of didn't really care. And it just it gradually fizzled out. Right. Um so so then I started, you know, doing the gigs for like a year or two and just really getting my feet on the ground. Um and then obviously when when I think I got to like 23 and I got my driving license, that was when the world really opened to like bigger gigs and bigger cities and mm-hmm. getting a reputation, you know, mm-hmm. taking videographers taking my own camera, taking my GoPro, started building a bit of like social media stuff. And then yeah. I think what had happened was, because obviously as, as I touched on, like obviously like people like James Hype and Joe Corey and, yeah. you know, Nathan, a guy in the UK called Nathan Daw, who are kind of like the, the top kind of, you know, the, now all of them are in the charts. But at this point, they was kind of probably around where I am now or maybe a little bit around that area. So like sure. I noticed that James Hype was like, he was still a resident DJ, but he was his tracks were on the radio, his remixes. He was getting it. I knew I, I didn't know what money he was earning, but I knew he was on that elite tier. Like he was a resident DJ in a club, yeah. but he was like all, he was almost like a guest headline DJ at the same time in his own right. Yeah. And I just I just knew I wanted that. And I was switched on enough to know that there's no way you get in there as a DJ unless you've got your own music out. I don't know what it's like in America, but in house music in the UK. You have to have production behind you, unless oh, yeah. you're an exception. Unless you're an exceptional DJ and your best friends of all the right promoters, you have to be a producer. Yeah, that's worldwide. So obviously, <laughs> yeah, and 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 that opened a whole new world to me where I never experienced. And what is even more crazy is I've probably only been producing music for like three and a half, four years. So like, when you probably jumped on my mailing list, a lot of them was probably just like bootlegs where I was just like using acapellas and yeah, man, you know, there was remixes. Yeah. That's the that was where it all started, and and yeah. like, to be honest, like a lot of them was kind of like samples and 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 loops because I didn't understand it. I but but because I because I was a DJ, I understood if it sounded good. Yeah, um, I did. I didn't understand how to construct my own sound, mm-hmm. but I understood how to put other people's samples in them. Like obviously, all it was all royalty free samples, so I'm not I'm not doing anything wrong. But right. I couldn't physically write music. I could only use samples. So I was I was making these remixes out of samples, but I knew. How to make it sound right quite early? Look, yeah. I think I think as a DJ, you know if it sounds right. Like we've all had we've all had tracks where we're thinking, 
no, that, that, that just doesn't make like sound like right. It just doesn't sound right. 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 Yeah. And and I've always had that understanding, which I think has stood in my in my a good like kind of it's it's helped me out along the way of production. But yeah, like the, the just jumped into production like three and a half, four years ago. And I knew that that was the next step, but I, I, I fully applied myself to it. Like I think a lot of people kind of, you know, they start producing maybe like a couple of hours on a night every other day. But I was I'm talking like the first thing I wake up, I'll be eating my breakfast with my laptop open. Um, I was going to bed, falling asleep, my laptop in my hand. In between gigs, if I was on a train or anywhere, I would be on my laptop in Ableton. I mean, now, you know, I'm I'm always on Ableton. Ableton's on that the iMac in the background there. Yes, and yeah. I've got I've, so so I've got two iMacs there, <laughs> and I've I've also got a, a computer and an iMac here because obviously when you're doing that much stuff like a video editing for live streams and DJing and producing. I never want to be waiting or like lagging or like my laptop to be slow. So I've got like different computers for everything. Just so you like, geez, Jesus, multitasker right here. Because yeah, just I, I I'm I'm a com- I'm a complete computer like nerd. I just love That's technology. Awesome. I love Apple. I love Apple's technology. I love. I just love technology, man. <laughs> so you you fell in love with producing though, based honestly out of love for your love of DJing. Yeah. I, I was a I was a DJ first as well, and I really resonate with what you just said about kind of understanding the phrasing of of songs. Like you can literally just put samples together and make a pretty great track. No one would know the difference. Yeah, and it's kind of the double edged sword of the music industry. And when I was going through all your tracks, man, and we're we're what we're just going to talk about granularly is is your actual originals. But when I was okay. going through everything, including your remixes and everything, like it's clear that you kind of found your path in the beginning, but you continue to get better and better and better. And I think it's such a great story of listening to tracks like Just Words and then going all the way to where you're at now, uh, you know, Say My Name, uh, (laughs) Secrets, like, dude, it's just so cool. And I I think it's very, it must be very humbling for you as well to maybe listen back to those tracks. Mm. And I'm not sure the last time you thought about some of these 2018 ones, or I was loving you remix with James Godfrey from three years ago. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't. That's, um, yeah. So that that's it's made me smile when you said just words because that's the first track I ever released on Spotify. Yep. Um. So I, I have I have I always remember where I came from, bro. Always remember where I came from. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. It's just so cool. So I want I want to kind of run through here because. Um, like I said, it would take us a few hours to go through everything that you've done. Yeah, no. As much as I'd love to. Keep me on the leash. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. You got it. But, um, one thing I think that's special about you is, like I said, there's always pillars or foundations of a producer's sound. Um, sometimes you go a little left, sometimes you go a little right, sometimes you go straight. Um, there are a few things that I'd like to point out and correct me if I'm wrong, if these aren't kind of things that you always think about, but. Like I said, this is episode 151. So I've interviewed probably 140 producers and it's always a little bit of the same, but different. But you just words, man. This was your first original on Spotify. Very boppy, bouncy house with a catchy bass pluck, right? This was honestly sort of that James hype sound when he was really first getting started. That deep house, you really, you yeah. really were like, okay, this is my sound. Why was that the first one you released? So was that the one that was ready to go? You were just trying to get things out. Did you have a selection? I mean, it's a great track, but it's the first one you put out. You must have had a lot of thought behind it. Yeah, I'm, it's you're taking me back to a place that I haven't really been. I, I think warned you, Ben. When, I warned you. 
<laughs> no, no, it's, it's amazing. And, and I think it's mentally great for me to recollect all these things because, you know, like I said, like I did say, like, I do take things in my stride quite well, you know, yeah. I do kind of, I'm always chasing that next thing. And I think we all are, we're all chasing that next goal, but sometimes we forget to look how back how far we've come. So when someone else takes you back there, you know, I've had that, I've had the, the artwork to, to that release framed because it clearly means a lot to me. And I think, I think what it is, is it's like, um, you know, I wouldn't, I think at the time it was just that, yeah, like the, like you, you're so right about the sound, the whole James Hypey kind of thing. You know, you'll probably hear me mention his name a lot today because he's, he's, a, he's kind of like a, a role model slash big brother kind of thing to me. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here pretending to be best friends with him or yeah. even remotely like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like that with him at all. But I think you've all got that kind of guy above you where you kind of, you're hot on his heels. You chase, you're not chasing him in terms of trying to be him, but like you are following path the path, and, and you look at someone and you're thinking, I feel like I'm doing what you've done, and that and that's, I mean, that's not a bad person at all to be following, is it? At the but, paved road, um, man. You're taking that. You're taking a paved road, and you know what the end destination is. I don't think it's yeah, and I love it actually. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not saying you know I'm I'm completely going down that route, but it's good to have a kind of guide, Mark. Um, but yeah, when you go back to that Just Words track, I think at the time it was, if I'm being honest, it was almost, and, and I think this is why that kind of sound, that, that style of house pops up all the time, that kind of plucky donkey kind of deep yeah, house. Exactly. Because, because ultimately it is probably the easiest style of house to make. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's not a lot of complexity in the arrangement, in the baseline sound. And and not only is it, I wouldn't say it's the easiest, but it's the most diverse and the most yeah. easy listening. Um, and and even now, like you listen to tracks now in the charts and in the in the in, in the Spotify playlist, like selected stuff, it's the same stuff. It's just the 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 sam the presets have changed. Yeah, the baseline, uh, the melodies are the same, the the format, the arrangement, but instead of being that kind of deep plucky sound, it's now that Medusa kind of stab. Um, yeah. But it's exactly the same formula. I bet it's, you it's the same MIDI pattern. It's the same. Everything's the same. It's just it's evolved in sound, but it hasn't evolved in style. And and that's just that's just the way things are, man. But yeah, that's where yeah. I started. And like you say, you go left, you go right. But you always kind of. I think I've kept that, but I've just developed it into something more. And the pianos have got stronger and brighter and better. And my cut, my 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 melodies have got a little bit better. And I basically I got that MIDI pack. You know, you seen the advert. It's like you want a MIDI. I got you. Want a melody? I got you. <laughs> Have you seen it? The, the of MIDI course, pack. of course, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I always I, I can't remember the website's called, but it's called like uh, I think it's like something stupid, like free MIDI to MP3 or whatever. And I was just like looking up songs that I know have great piano melodies. Gives me the fucking instrument and the piano, and I put it in, and I'm like, I'm just gonna throw a kick on here, a little bass, a little sub bass. That's a house track, baby. And that those are the sometimes the most fun moments of an artist's career for me personally. It is like yeah. I did something so similar with like Duke Dumont won't look back. And it's literally like almost the same thing. It's that plucky dun, 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 dun. and it's just fun, dude. And mm. it's just so cool. Again, like I'm gonna say this a million times, but if a producer's career, a lot of times it starts out as a one-lane road, right? And that's kind of your that's kind of the direction you're going. And it's not that we maybe take an exit. It's that it expands into a two-lane highway, three-way highway, four-lane highway. 
where you're at with just words was one lane, man, but where you're at now is fucking five lane. It's the Autobahn, bro. Like you literally, <laughs> you're the Autobahn. <laughs> oh, that is the, that is the most complimentary, funniest description anyone's ever said to me. I came I out of that. I don't I know. Yeah. That. <laughs> That's how we do it in Chicago, I guess. But That's cool, bro. Love that track, man. I'm glad. Thank you for the explanation on that. And he followed up with all this love with Rewire and Jess K. Another powerful piano um house track with soulful vocals that's another foundation of course there for you i want to talk about strings of life though um you really snapped on this one i don't know when the last time you listened to it or even played it but it's a perfect remake of a classic a a a classic classic like yeah once again a foundational classic of house music Mm, thank you man thank you but you went with a, a groovy tech house turn on the drop so i kind of see you know, you challenge yourself to go from, I don't even know if it's challenge yourself. I don't even know that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. But when we look at the previous songs and then other, some follow-ups, you started to kind of give yourself the, the range of, I can also make slam and tech house. I can make piano house. I can make soul, whatever it is. Tell me about how that one kind of came together because you, you fuse so many elements of it. Yeah. Do you know what that 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 track? The more I think about it, was like the game changer to to my kind of um, yeah, just the, the way probably people perceive me because yeah, you know, it was almost like where has that come from to a lot of people, and not only that is it got support of it got people's attention, and you know, it got support of Tool Room. Matt Knight was playing it, um, Kiss, like the big radio stations started. Not all of them, but some of them supported it. You know, big DJs. And what actually, it's a good story that, you know, so basically at, at that point in my career, I see it feels weird to say the word career because I just don't see this <laughs> as a career. But I feel, I feel, I felt a bit cringy saying that. But um, yeah, at that point in my fun, <laughs> uh, say, um, I was managed by a guy called Carl Hannigan. Um, so for people that don't know Carl Hannigan, Carl Hannigan is like a very reputable guy in the UK house scene. Yeah, he worked right at min- he's worked. Yeah, he's worked for Ministry of Sound, Seattle Records. Um, every he's been he's, he, Head Candy is a big brand in the UK, which is like kind of like a defected style brand back in the day. And, and he mixed, he compiled their albums. Like he's been in Andy Stripes ten times over, and obviously he must have heard something in me and, and like we struck up a bit of a partnership and he'd managed me. And what had happened was obviously, um, obviously Strings of Life is Strings of Life. I think it's Brothers, I can't remember the original, uh, Brothers in Rhythm, I think, I can't remember who the original artist was that made the, because the problem is with a lot of house tracks is you think that that was the original, but there's an, there's an original before that. And then oh, also an original before that. So yeah. obviously you've got the, string, you've got the um, Strings of Life house track but before that, there was a like an older version, like a disc. I can't. I want to say like a disco version. I can't remember the artist's name. I think you're I right. Think so like, yeah, I I know that there's a few versions, but basically, Carl Hannigan, who was managing me, did like a funky uh, kind of not tech house, but not. It was like funky Jack in House version. Yeah, back when back in like 2013, 14, um, and it's also interesting how things go around in circles. So. He'd obviously done it, cleared the sample, uh, had the rights to the, the the melody and the sample and whatever. And then obviously he starts managing me. But what is crazy is when I first started DJing, one of the first tracks I ever got was Carl Hannigan, Strings of Life. Wow. So so then fast forward three years, I've started producing. I'm getting managed by Carl Hannigan. 
and we can't and and I think I think I jokingly said to him about remixing his version of Strings of Life, and he was like, "That is the best thing you could possibly do." Um, but I think the reason why it came out the way it came out is because obviously I had to stay away from what he'd done. It, it was a remix. It wasn't. I wasn't just doing it the same as him. I had to yeah. remix it, yeah. and obviously he'd remixed it in a format which was quite close to probably where I would have taken it. Piano, donkey, kind of James Hypey UK house sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to pull some. I had to pull something else out of the bag, and obviously, at that point, tech house was on the rise. You know, you know, I wouldn't say Fisher, Fisher probably wasn't about then, but like it was really growing this kind of oh, yeah. tech house sound. Um, not that it was ever not growing anyway, but it was getting bigger around where I live. Yeah, I was getting cool. I was getting cooler gigs at that point. I was, I was inspired, and I just, yeah, I just. Don't know what happened. I think obviously you had to have the pianos in there. Yeah. But on the drop, I didn't just want to be this, I didn't want it, I wanted to be, I wanted there to be an element of surprise, like whoa. Oh yeah. Um and and I just I just it was a simple bass line. And I think I just I took the MIDI notes from the pianos and just changed a few and I, I added like a big kind of moogie sub and it just came together. Like people say, don't they? The best things happen by accident. Yeah. Like literally, bro. Like I just I took the MIDI part, flipped a few notes around. I didn't know music theory that well at that point. Like I'm not gonna lie, I was I wasn't. You really playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't playing the piano the way I play it now. I wasn't playing like like MIDI at all. Uh, I just moved the notes around and I hit lucky. Um, Carl loved it. Carl gave me some feedback. I changed it and then yeah, it got on the release and the release came out at Christmas. Mark Knight played it on the tour room radio. He, he gave me a shout out on the radio. Um, it got quite a lot of streams. It got me a lot of traction. And yeah, that was kind of the start of, I guess, the journey. But it, it, a question people might wonder is like, like what happened after that? Like, I wouldn't say it changed things dramatically. It wasn't like I was getting massive amounts of gigs or yeah. I wasn't getting remix requests. I wasn't getting money. Nothing changed. It just gave me a little bit more credibility. Yeah, it's a big win for you internally, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I know how big Absolutely. of a fan you are, Mark Knight in tour room. So, so exciting oh, to hear him say your name, right? The logo's yeah. there, bro. Dude, tour room's right there. <laughs> he's, he's an absolute icon. Love that, though. Yeah. And again, the re one of the reasons I wanted to ask that is because you kind of gave yourself the ability to go left. In my eyes, sort of tech house is always going to be left field of what's mainstream. So, I thought that was yeah. real cool. And 2019, man, was a big, big year for you. Um, so much development in your sound, your quality of, of mixing and mastering and FX and layering. And you can just hear it. You can just hear it. You don't even have to be an expert. So a, another great example of, of yourself just, just growing. Um, Boogie, just an absolute tech house banger once again. <laughs> if you can tell, I love tech house. <laughs> but you got that gritty baseline. Another great example of your FX on point. Um, this one, I want to ask you about posing. So this is one when I kind of compared to your 2018 piano tracks and some of your remixes from the past as well. It's obvious that you have progressions and you're mixing the velocity of the piano um, for all the for all the producers out there, you've really just got that intensity. They're nice and stabby, but clear, almost like just the perfect synthetic piano, almost in my eyes. In in this one, how did it kind of help you perfect your piano house style? Was this a track where you felt like you got a hang of it? You know what? That's 
that was probably a big lesson in piano house because I was actually in Boston in America at that point. So like I said to you off air, like one of my good friends now, a guy called Ryan Nichols, shout out to Ryan Nichols, he's, he's releasing stuff on uh, CID's label. Is it Night Service Only? Yes, I, I was just about to say, I recognize that name. Yeah, so he's getting some good releases himself. Um, we've released a few tracks together. And nice. We kind of just, similar to this, like we just kind of networked online and spoke to each other. And then it was just one of them situations like, bro, I'm just going to have to come over now. Like, so I just went and I'd never, we'd never met each other. And we just, I just went, I just went to New, well, I went to Boston because I want, and I wanted to go to New York. Yeah. It's not too far. Right. Um, so we did that. And then he's since been back up. He came over to the UK with his girlfriend. You know, we did that whole like tourist stuff. But yeah, like with this track, what had happened was um, I'd gone over to obviously America. And I think, you know, when you're traveling and you know, you're on the planes with the, with Spotify and, you know, I was, I think I was like, you know, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the taxi from the airports and stuff like you spend a lot of time kind of zoned out from, you know, your inner kind of, uh, how do I describe, you know what I mean? Like when you're traveling, you kind of just, you sat looking out the window with your head. Yeah. And, and I, and I was looking at everything from maybe a bit of a different angle and kind of, you know, I was listening to some stuff like, um, I wouldn't really know what I was listening to at the time, but it was kind of just left of what I was doing, like the piano house that I'd already been started doing. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was kind of like a bit more jacking, like dun, 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 like stabby house, like yeah, rather exactly. than rather than your kind of traditional house chords, where it's like dun, 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 dun. Right. It was more like dun, dun, dun. Like, and I was hearing all these stabby, like garagey kind of almost sounds. Yeah. Like disclosure-ish, disclosure kind of, um, yeah, just jacking. I'd, cl- I'd class it as like jacking house, really. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and I can't remember what I was listening to, but I, I remember thinking, like, how have they got them chords like that? And then I got to, obviously, Ryan's, and we like he had a studio set up where he lived. And mm-hmm. I think it was just, like, one afternoon where he couldn't get out of whatever he was meant to be doing that day. Like, obviously, you know, when you've got guests and you kind of clear your diary to accommodate, yeah. like, he had he had to go and do something. I cannot remember what it was, but, like, he just said, look, bro, you, you're going to have to just wait for me or you can go for a walk, you can do what you want. And I was just sat in his, like, bedroom studio. I was like, bro, just leave me here. Let me do, like, just... <laughs> I just, I said, I, tell you, I said to him, uh, I said, take me to 7-Eleven, you know, the shop. Yeah. Have you got, have you got them in car? Have you got them, yeah, you got yeah, them yeah. where you are? Yeah, yeah. So I said to him, I was like, um, you know, take me to 7-Eleven and um, I, take me to Denny's and take me to 7-Eleven. <laughs> um, I'd, 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 I'd already had IHOP pancakes. Um, oh, my God. Because all, all these things are, are luxury to me, but you guys get to have them all the time. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, I just, said, I just said, take me to Denny's, get me some food, and then go to 7-Eleven and I'll get loads of Gatorade. And I just sat there with the speakers and the MIDI keyboard yeah. and I was just I was just on that vibe and I was like right I need to make something a little bit cooler but still piano house and um, so like the drums were a lot more gritty and a bit more like 909 kind of old school I was just I guess I was just inspired by that American house sound in the sense yeah, what I'm sure. trying to say yeah um, and I had this feeling of just being in a different environment and being in a different headspace where I didn't want to make UK house and it came out really well and Ryan came back and he was like like digging it and he jumped on and he he, he added some like more of his sound and obviously because I was using his setup and his production stuff yeah. I was probably forced to produce in a different environment a different way yeah um, and then and then yeah like he jumped in did some bits and then went back to the UK with the project 
Um, I think I opened it up and, you know, tried to, like, think, where do we go from here? And then, luckily, like, the vocalist, uh, Link Lewis, a guy called Link Lewis, is, like, a local kind of soulful singer. And, yeah, it just it fell together from there. And, and that was one of them tracks, which it was never a massive track, but everybody that knows me that knows that track loves that track. And it kind right. of was like a, a just a nice, feel-good kind of head bopper. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting track and an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's you're taking me back to places I forgot that even happened. And I'm glad it's I nice. Asked to, it's nice it. to kind of no, it's it's nice. It's good. Sometimes I consider myself an investigative journalist, Ben. <laughs> no, I like it, bro. I like it. That's a great track, man. And and as a fan, I can agree with everybody else that loves it. And yeah, you did release some more music with Ryan. Hey, yeah, another banger. Um, yeah. Party Elite, same story here as Posey, man. It's just clearly a level up from your 2018 releases. Yeah. Um, Forget with Luke J. West. Uh, you've done a few things with Luke J. Uh, love this track. And you fused that sound of the deep horn, which kind of was blowing up at that time. But you put your own spin on it. I love that. <laughs> like, confidently fire track. Um, but the next one I want to ask you about is Feelings with Jack Davies and Johnny Wright. Now, this was pretty cutting edge because you did take a little bit of um, kind of that Avicii, new wave Avicii, kind of with that Absolutely. UK house, kind of with your own style. Um, I just I just loved that track. I'd never heard it before, actually. It's one that I think deserves a little more notoriety. It's underrated. What was yeah. that one like for you to produce? Because that one was a little outside the box for you. Honestly, mate, you, you, you're taking me to such a place. And as I'm, remember, as I'm thinking about it, it all kind of starts aligning where I'm at now. And the feelings track was very left of my sound. You know, you've got that, you've got a guitar. Yeah. It's almost like, kind of like, you know, yeah, Avicii slash Future, Kygo slash, yes. you know, Chain. It's got that kind of American chain smoker vibe about it. With it As soon as you put a guitar in the track, you start thinking Kygo, Avicii, you know, all these guys. And yeah, it was, I think it was an emotional song because, and and, and it means a lot to, the, to, to me lyrically because, um, I actually was going for a break, a breakup at the time, you know. It's, it's mad to say, <laughs> yeah. But like, I didn't, I didn't think of it at the time. It was just lyrics to me, but it kind of resonates with where I was at personally. And yeah, I think it was just um, an experiment to see if we could, you know, maybe almost like, admittedly, maybe kind of like get not getting frustrated, but you know, when you kind of doubt your own sound, so you you do something different. Totally. But it, it did, but it did really well. Um, but obviously, you've still got Ben Rainey on the track. You know, it's still my sound. But right. yeah, I mean, it was actually like Jack Davis is is more is a very very talented kind of musician. And for me, I'll admit, I'm more I'm more of a producer than a songwriter. So sure. you know, you could send you could a lot of people send me tracks. Yeah. And I'll finish and I'll finish the the tracks because I can I know what it's missing. I know what it needs, and I can mix and I can master. Mm-hmm. But I really struggle to start a track like. Mm. I'm all. I'm the worst person of getting out the blocks with an idea. But yeah, a lot of my co- a lot of my collabs are actually people sending me demos to to give feedback to, and I actually turn around and go, <laughs> bro, send, like, and and I end up saying to people like, you know, like not not to try and take anyone's tracks off them, but I'm like, look, this is a sick idea, but it needs this, this, and this. So then they end up saying, well, do you want to do it with me? And like a lot of the collabs I do, are, are, and even now, like the secret chat, which we'll speak about, is. We'll get into that, but yeah, like I, I, I like to collaborate, and also I like to give people opportunities that are maybe just starting out. We'll, we'll just say that for now, but we'll, we'll probably talk about it later. But um, yeah, yeah f- feelings was um, 
it was a it was almost an acoustic kind of like sad kind of slap house before slap house existed song yeah from with uh, jack wright had sent me this version and it had the guitars in and it also had the i think it had the horns in but it didn't have the um arrangement and the kind of energy that it now has it also didn't have the top line right so he sent me the demo and i was like this is so different but for some reason i really want to work on it just i yeah. think i just wanted to to uh, be nosy and see how it he'd got that sound. Um, do you know when you just like want to know, I was like, obviously you're asking me, I was asking him how he did it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to know how he'd got that kind of guitar. And I think he's a musician, so I'm pretty sure he wrote the guitar, but it didn't have the house feel it has now. So I just kind of went in and did my thing on it. And then obviously Johnny Wright was a songwriter that had approached me at around the same time. And just basically said, like, I'm loving what you're doing. Um, I think he'd heard Poison, so he was like, he'd heard that soulful male vocal on a track and he wanted to jump on and other people had actually probably connected us together. Yeah. And, and he's a really talented singer songwriter. And we're actually oh, yeah. speaking now about, yeah, we're actually speaking now about doing some stuff and yeah, he came, he came and delivered that top line. And then I added some more production and before you know it, you've got a banger on your hand, but the, the, the interesting connection with that track is that that track is on a record label called the latest sounds. Mm -hmm. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, all of the tracks that people probably now know me for and the tracks that have blown up and done millions of streams are also on the latest sounds. So that track was my introduction into the label, what has probably got me to where I'm at. But the track is so far away from the tracks now that's <laughs> banging. So like, and, and, and at that time, I didn't know the label. I didn't have a connection to the label. I didn't have a relationship with them. But right. now I'm almost top of the class with that label, like in terms of like, I'm like the teacher's pet now. Like we, Full circle. Like, Full circle, and like that just goes to show to any aspiring producers that you know, you know, take your opportunities. You know, don't, don't like I always say, like, relationships and never burn bridges because you just never know where it's going to go. Like, yeah. we did that track, obviously, we're probably going to talk about some other tracks. I stayed away from them, and then now I kind of work with that label all the time. My biggest tracks have probably been with that label, mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah, just like, and it's so far away from where we both started. Like, I feel like the label direction at that time was kind of on that um, European slash USA kind of Kaigo yeah. Avicii sound. Yeah. Now they are purely, they're, they're probably like the biggest UK house label now, like pure like deep house, piano house banners. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how full circle things can go, man, honest to God. And not that long a time, man. I mean, that was late 2019. Yeah. And, and that's why I said it was cutting edge because it's one thing for a year to go by and people kind of copy styles and chase trends and stuff, but it's, it's really yeah. cool to hear the background story of you kind of challenging yourself as a producer. And the way I'm kind of reading into it, where you came in was give it a pace. You know what I mean? You, you really gave it like the energy that it needed. Yeah. And yeah, it's not that easy to, to try and bring real instrumentalists, real vocalists into the four on the floor, let's just call it house production world. Right. But you did a great 100%. job. Doing it. Now, oh, thanks bro. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Now, my question to you, at the end of 2019, right, like, you obviously had a lot of stuff. 2020 was the biggest year ever for you, streaming, success, support, yeah. everything, right? But when 2019 yeah. is coming to an end, if you can remember, where did you kind of feel at this point as a producer in the studio? Did you have any yeah. new processes, any old habits you kicked? Did you have, like, a pretty cleaned-up process? So, such a good question. 
Um, yeah, so like 2020, we're gonna obviously going to get into this, but like 2020 yeah. has been the biggest year of my life. Like forget about COVID for a second, like as a producer, yeah. and we're obviously going to go into that, but like I can honestly say at the end of 2019 was probably the lowest point of my life. Um, yeah, like literally, bro, like giving up, self-doubt, anxiety. Wow. Um, I, you know, I'll openly speak about what happened, you know, December the 29th, 2019. Um, oh, sorry, no, yeah, December the 29th, 2019. I'm getting my dates wrong, yeah. So, well, no, actually, sorry, let me let me restart that. Yeah. December the 29th, 2018. Okay. Um, I lost my best friend to suicide. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, so not, not to completely flip the conversation, but just to give oh, you what, just please. to show you where I'm at. Yeah. So 2019, obviously, to me, in my, in my mental health, my, my mind was a write-off. Um, so as much as on the surface I was releasing music and, you know, people might think I was doing good, I was lost, like, by the end of the... So so because that happened at the end of 2018, sorry, this is why I got confused. 2019 was a whirlwind. I couldn't grasp a thought. I was... Every day was just survival. Like, yeah, I was making music, but I'd, I'd be honest with you, I wasn't... My heart wasn't in it at that point because I just was so grieving. I was so hurt. I was destroyed. Yeah. But I was rebuilding. Look, the good thing for me is because I'm quite a positive person, rather than sit there and dwell... Every day I was rebuilding exercise, counseling, therapy, um, learning more about mental health, um, you know, speaking to people about it. I was just rebuilding, you know, I was rebuilding. I was re I was refilling myself with, you know, the right energy. And it took a long time. And at the end of 2019, obviously a year later after losing my friend, I was in a position where because I'd had a weird, such a strange year, and it was the first year without him, the first Christmas, the first New Year. You know, you've got all them, them feelings of like, oh, this time last year, like what happened and reflections. I wasn't in a good frame of mind, but I was trying to be positive and I was kind of like lost and thinking, um, do I start chasing other things? I, I'd lost my I'd lost my determination. Yeah, I'd lost my determination. And because I was gigging that much, I was almost escaping reality of how hurt I was. Yeah. Um, and how how affected I'd been was I was 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 being covered over by these gigs and all these productions and all these all this Instagram social media stuff. Yeah. So what so moving obviously into like 2020, yeah. you know, the lockdown and and the end of 2019 like moving into that like let's just say it's being put into being grounded into a lockdown in March 2020 was the best thing that happened to me because it forced me to slow down and address everything. Yeah. And like I said to you earlier, um you know yeah, just like twenty ended basically twenty end of twenty nineteen was I was at the lowest and I was thinking about giving up and I was um I couldn't tell you where I was at because I, I didn't really I, I wasn't motivated. I was doing it for doing its sake. I was doing production every day, I was DJing every night to keep going, but I was not I wasn't enjoying it, I wasn't making tracks from my heart. I just was doing it, and I was I was very jealous of other people at this point because because I was unhappy. Yeah, I'd go on Instagram and I'd see another DJ happy and successful, and I and I'd I'd curse them because I'd think, how can you be happy when I'm struggling? Yeah, because you got to remember you got to remember that like everybody's in a different position in life. So like now now that I'm happy and I'm succeeding, I don't rub it in anybody's faces because I know how it feels to be so low because you know. You've got to you've got to take the rough with the smooth. You've got to take the highs with the lows, and you've also got to be remain humble when things are going well. Because 
I know how it feels to be at the lower point, and it wasn't. It was around. It was only a corner ago. It was. It was. It was around the corner. It wasn't a long time ago. So, for that, for that, I can only stay humble that things are going well. Um, but yeah, to give you the picture, at the end of 2019, I was at my lowest point, and I'll probably let you lead into whatever you're going to ask me about 2020, which was mad. <laughs> it was a crazy year, bro. Thank you for sharing that, man. That, that gives me that gives me a, a deeper appreciation for for you as an individual and. You know, there are a lot of people out there that struggle, um, like I said in the beginning, inside and outside of the music industry. So I, I appreciate the transparency, man. It means a lot. At the end of the day, mate, if, if you can't be transparent, you can't help people. And, you know, I, I wish I kind of like I'm so transparent because I was looking for other people to to use for inspiration when I was learning. I, I didn't really I can't, I can't lie and say I found it because I didn't. Yeah. So as a DJ, as a DJ now the more successful I hopefully become, the more I'll open up because I want people to know that these things happen and it's real and, you know, gain that kind of um, approachability. approachability. It's like if I manage to get a hit record or if I grow as a DJ or get signed to Defected or Tool Room, I want people to know that I was not long ago in the position I was in. And I'll probably, sadly, be in positions like that in the future because... It's a journey. It's a roller coaster, man. Like it's love it. Good, good yeah. for you, man. For getting back on your feet and dude, twenty twenty, you fucking blew up, man. And like again, all things considered, twenty twenty, without a doubt, toughest year in the music industry, at least in our lifetime, probably yeah. ever. Toughest year, maybe of all time, at least in, yeah. in, this, in this generation. You popped off with releases, with streams, with quality, with growth. Uh, getting verified on Instagram, like all of your content <laughs> you started creating. And that's a big win, yeah. man. I know you're humble about that, but seriously, like everything you did, but we're, we're going to stick to music right here, okay? Every single time, this track, every single time, in my yeah. opinion, and in this chair, this is the top three Ben Rainey track. Uh, I'm pretty by. I love this vocal so much. It's just like a, ah. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you something funny about the vocal in a minute, but. Yeah, well, I, I was gonna, I'm gonna let you go anyway, but it's such a good tech house song, um, and it seems again that you do vary your releases. I was kind of noticing how you kind of release this track, this track, this track. Sometimes it's vocal, yeah. sometimes it's tech, sometimes it's piano. I guess it's a double barreled question. Um, can you tell us about how that track came together, and do you actually vary your releases like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. Um, yeah, so truth be told, um, you know. I uh, I sit in a I sit in a bracket of producer where half of me wants to make really vocal piano Joel Corey James Hype kind yeah. of you know M, you know MK like low stepper kind of big Sonny Federa like piano I love piano house I love vocals and that's what is kind of my sound I guess what most people probably know but there's a side to me which just loves like tech house disco funky like yeah and I and I think I think the important thing is to, you know, not get, not pigeonhole yourself. So every now and again, I'll let one go. In answer to the second part of the question, I don't really think about it. I, it's not like I ha- I don't really structure. I don't like, I don't plan it like that. It just kind of, you know, like, for example, like in pending at the minute, I've got a couple of like tech house tracks, but then I've got some huge piano tracks. Like, yeah. it's just the way, it's just the way it goes. Like I probably make, for every two piano tracks I make, I probably make one tech house track. Like mm-hmm. I love, I love both styles and I don't want to kind of pigeonhole myself. So I just do both. But yeah, every single time was a good one because um, it's a funny story as well. And that there's quite a lot to speak about on this one. Like yeah. 
it was just, it was for fun. It was when Fisher started blowing up. So I really wanted to get some of them kind of big siren stabby sounds in there. Yeah. But I also wanted to do it my own way rather than just go like for the big Fisher siren. So I added quite a lot of random sounds which people have identified. Like there was a cowbell on one of the drops which just like blew up and people yeah. loved it. And I don't really feel like it blew up the way, not, not that it deserved to because I'm not saying it deserved to blow up. Like it's one of them tracks, it was never like, like you say, it probably is one of my favorite free tracks I've ever done, but I don't feel it's one of the ones I'll probably get remembered for. It's only the people that I like really dig deep that'll be like, wow, that is a big tune. That, like, yeah. Um, but what's funny is like the vocals straight off Splice, it's a royalty free vocal, it's been used loads of times. Um, it's been used on Tool Room, Friend Within's used it. Or no, Friend Within used it. Mercer always drops it though. That's the first time I heard it, it was in a Mercer setup. Yeah. And what's actually so funny is, so one of my very good friends in the UK is a guy called Bissett. Um, so he's from Ireland and he is, um, he's actually Conor McGregor's tour DJ. Um, Fuck yeah. So, so he's blow, he's kind of blown up, not off the back of Conor McGregor because he was his own artist in his own right. Yeah, sure. He's got, he's got a lot of exposure because of Conor McGregor. And now he's got a version of Every Single Time, which is really piano. It's, it's almost like, the version, if you heard both versions and someone said, which one did Ben Rainey do? You'd think it was that one. Yeah. Um, it's a massive piano track, yeah? Yeah. Um, so he's just signed that to a major record label and it's blowing up at the minute, right? Which is amazing. But what's funny is he turned around to me and was like, bro, can you do me a remix of it? And I was like, <laughs> I've already done it. <laughs> but, but, obviously, but obviously because of contracts and stuff, the version I've done is my own version of every single time. But because of it being royalty free, I can still do a remix for him, but it can't be the version I've done, uh, which is quite crazy. <laughs> like, there's going to be, so there's going to be two versions. There's going to be a Ben Rainey remix and also the original, but well, yeah, obviously I, the, the remix will be getting taken down another path, but that's again, just another example of full circle, like how things work. And yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Great track, man. That's hilarious. Um, so I yeah. want to ask about these Lauren Carter collabs unbelievable man these have done incredible on the streaming I mean, yeah we're talking about like you know a, a cool five million here five million plus across yeah the three tracks in 2020 with her yeah and this is an incredible story which will blow your mind yeah man so we got put them high love and if your girl only knew tell us how you came together with lauren how, why do you think these tracks have done so well? I mean, <laughs> they're great, but it's like, dude, yeah. you just like skyrocketed yeah. with these. Yeah. So the beginning of the story is how I met Lauren Carter, which is a really good story. Mm -hmm. So one thing I haven't mentioned so far is that, well, I, I did mention that before I started DJing, I was doing photography. Right. Um, so basically, uh, obviously, basically put it this way. So like, how do I describe it? So... 2019, when I had this horrific year, yeah. um, I lost the love for DJing completely. Um, I, was, I was down in the dumps, I was anxious, and I didn't want to DJ. So I'd obviously become used to, obviously, earning good money DJing. I've, you know, I, was, I was making a good living, so I thought, right, I need to be able to do that somehow, some other way. So I was like, right, I'm going to start shooting weddings because we all know that wedding photography is expensive, Yeah. So I, I started shooting weddings in 2019. And again, because of my um, personality and my, like, I guess, likability in a sense in, yeah. in my area, yeah. the wedding photography 
just blew up in 2019. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so basically, although I had the worst like year of my life, I also built a business which is now make well, obviously not in COVID, but it's now like kind of worth financially, it's worth more to me than DJing at the minute. Um, wow. Yeah, but the good thing is it puts less pressure on my music because I've got another income. Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. for any DJs out there, like like we, we we sometimes make decisions as DJs for the money, and when you've got another income, you can you can say no to things, and that's amazing. So anyway, I, I started doing photography at weddings, and I filmed I shot a wedding, and basically I walked into the wedding, and there was Lauren Carter singing as the bride comes down the aisle, and um, yeah, just incredible voice, as you all know. Like anyone listening who's heard the song, she's got an incredible voice. And basically, yeah. she wasn't singing anything like what obviously the tracks are like. But yeah. she already, she she already like, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but she already knew how I was when I got to the wedding because yeah. of my music. She she was aware of me, and obviously, I I was just I was fanboying over her. <laughs> I was like, but 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 the way the wedding the way this wedding went that I was at I was actually friends with the bride and groom so I was also a guest at the wedding but I was shooting the wedding so it just so happened fate I was sat on my d- table having my dinner next to Lauren Carter <laughs> I sat next to Lauren Carter and I said to wow. her you are amazing I basically confessed my love to her voice <laughs> and I and I just I just said to her I was like your voice is the most amazing thing like we live in the same city. You have to come to my studio. I don't care what you say. I'm not taking no for an answer. Yeah. Like we are working together. But luckily, because she knew about me, she knew that I had like what I had going on. Yeah. She was just like, I- I'd love to do this. She told her friends. Her friends like encouraged it because obviously they kind of knew that I was doing like music and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So I think it was December 2019 when I was still in a pretty bad place. We recorded "Put 'Em High," and what is even more funny about that track is. It's a collaboration with a guy called Ethan James. And me right. and Ethan James, me and Ethan James actually did that as like a remix of the original of Put 'em High mm-hmm. in like 2017 when we were both first started, first started producing. Mm-hmm. So when I got Lauren to the studio, we was listening to old tracks. And I think Ethan had messaged me saying, Why don't we redo it as original? Because at this point, you've got to think like all these remakes of old songs have started popping off. Right. But before that, before that, it was more like let's do some originals. So we kind of like we we saw the window of opportunity to do put them high again. And obviously, at this point, I've started building this connection with the latest sounds record label, yeah. um, who are also encouraging remakes of old songs at this point. Yep. So it kind of it all all just started to kind of form together. And Lauren came to the studio. We did put them high in December. Mm-hmm. Um, comes it came to January. Let me get this right. Yeah, so January, February, it was sat on the hard drive. We hadn't really, we kind of basically, what we did was we recorded the vocal of the old version of the track. Yeah. And obviously because of the old track being three years old, the production was nowhere near where it should have been. Oh, yeah. We wasn't we wasn't as excited about it because we hadn't had the finished product. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah, was sure. listening to, and obviously, you know, you know, with vocals and stuff, you know, you know, it, you can be the best vocalist in the world, but they still require a lot of post-production, yeah. you know, compression, reverb, auto-tune, because to get a to get a vocal to pop standard, no matter how good the singer is, yeah. to get it in that realm where it's like pitch perfect, oh, you man. know, there's no vibrato, no no like 
there's no kind of going off the grid. You have to put a lot of work in. And yeah, I'm I'm not really the biggest vocal expert in the world. It's a it's a pretty hard thing to be able to like nail oh. vocals, but yeah. So so we kind of sat on it for a while, and then I think what happened is in February I got my um, I got my arse into gear and, and put it together, um, and we had this version of it which what it still wasn't the finished product, but it sounded a lot better. And then March the 9th, I think we went into lockdown on the 15th of March. No, yeah. sorry. So, yeah, the 15th of March, we went into lockdown, which was a Monday. On Saturday, the 13th of March, I had a gig and I just finished the final version of Put em High. <laughs> as fate would have it, the last night I ever DJed, Still to this day, yeah. Lauren Carter was at the venue I was DJing at, so I decided it yeah. would be a really good idea to pass her the microphone and drop the track. Yeah, um, and I'm not even kidding you, bro. Like it wasn't, and it wasn't a massive venue. It was more of a bar than a club, like a cocktail bar. Sure, it went off like everyone <laughs> was because because everybody knows the original. Right, um, it was. Everyone was just singing it, and I just at that moment you I knew. got that excited feeling that this is going to be big. And then, obviously, fast forward a few weeks, we've gone into lockdown. Um, I thought to myself, you know, lockdown, I didn't know how long we were going to be in it, obviously, but I thought, right, let's get some music sorted, let's start thinking of music. So I, I sent it to the label, they loved it. Yeah, and to be honest, mate, like from that moment to now, the journey's just been. Like my lockdown journey has been career defining, I think, because I've kind of, I've kind of taken everything to a different level. I'm not saying in terms of quality, you know, other people might say, you know, it's gone up in quality, but for me, it's just my work rate, my drive, my energy, my vision for music and everything. And as soon as that track started making traction, I was, I was then four steps ahead. You know, if you girl only knew was already on my mind. Yep. I was probably right. I was making 10 tracks a week. I was doing live streams. I was building this brand and, you know, the verification is to come and every, the following went up. And from that point to now, it's just been a crazy journey, bro. So yeah, Lauren Carter has been one of the best things that ever happened to me. And she's probably become one of my best friends, man. Like she's, she's the nicest girl in the world. She's, she's like a sister. Like she's just such a nice person and wow. so talented. And I've always, I've always said to myself now that, you know, however far I take my music journey, I will always take her with me because she deserves so much credit. And I feel like a lot of producers don't stand by the vocalists when they start getting bigger. They kind of, they're right. always looking for a bigger artist. And right. don't get me wrong, like, I can't, I can't say, like, I'm going to work with her on every track because that's just not physically possible. But yeah, sure. I will, I'll stick by that girl and I will also support her, even if it's not on my own music, I'll encourage her to work with other people. And I've also got about three or four of the tracks with her that I sat on my hard drive, which are even bigger than what people have heard. So yeah, it's exciting, man. Amazing, dude. That is such a great story. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At a wedding. Crazy, bro. At a wedding, bro. And I wasn't, it's just, I was doing a different job. It's just mad how we met. Like, it's mad. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. That should not. No, have it's just. <laughs> Well, shout out to Lauren Carter. She is very talented. But you keep that things going, man. 2020, like I said, big year. Tracks like The Enemy. Love that track. I want to talk real quick about Good Times with Felix. Is it Lighter? How do I say his last name? Felix Lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felix Lighter. This one does really well. 
because you got some Chicago housewives, man. You mentioned that early in your days when um, you were getting really into house music. You've got some some yeah. massive elements of Chicago house here, and it does really well in Beatport too. Uh, top one hundred house tracks, right? Yeah, this again, yeah, like this. This one was um, this this track was a massive game changer for different reasons. I mean. You know, Spotify-wise, because of the kind of track it was, it, it was never going to be a viral track, but it also, right. I think it's done like 200,000 streams, which for a very yeah. housey Chicago track's a lot of streams. Yes, it um, is. But what, what changed with this track was it took credibility to a different level because I kind of switched switched lanes to a completely different sound, but it became so diverse. Yeah. I think it put my name into a lot of different people's, um, like, my name got put into different places. Yeah. You know, it got played, it got played by uh Fatboy Slim, it got played by Idris Elba, who's arguably one of the biggest celebrities in the planet, not just in the DJ world. He's an actor, he's a DJ, he's got seven million followers. He's but insane. he also what made it even better was he played it on a defected live stream. Oh so obviously it not only put us on his radar and the global radar, it also put us on defected radar and it also you know, Defected was putting it in their playlist. They was putting our names on the YouTube. So oh. that gained a lot of traction. Um, you know, credible record labels were starting to reach out. And as much, and yeah, the Beatport success got my name on the radar. It didn't get the, the streams, but it definitely got the traction and it gave me a lot of more credibility and kind of yeah. a different angle to do things. Um, so yeah, like that was, that was probably the big, the most crazy thing in 2020 because Although the streams on the other tracks were amazing, yeah, I don't feel. I feel like the thing with streams is, a streams a number like, you know, it's amazing. Obviously, everybody would love five million streams over five thousand, but of course, you cannot you can't physically see how well it's doing. You don't see people listening. You don't know where they're listening. Yeah, when you hear a massive global DJ play your record on one of yep. the biggest, like realistically, Defected is probably the biggest house brand that everybody knows. Oh yeah, well, um, so like to get your track on their stream by one of the biggest people in the world is like, <laughs> wow, that is a li- that's a life goal. That's not even a DJ goal. That's a life goal. Like that was a career defining moment. Again, cringy to say, but like it changed a lot of things. And it, and it also, I think, I think what these things d- did was to me, it gave me the confidence to realize, hang on a minute. Like I actually do mean a b- mean business now. Like yeah, this, like 2020 was the year where, yeah, I guess kind of things got serious. It, not serious in the sense of like I'm still having a laugh and I'm still taking taking it like for what it is, but like realizing, yeah, maybe there is a lot of potential for me to actually become like something pretty like not big, but like something credible and I can make a long term career and a reputation out of this, you know? Absolutely, brother. A little bit of acknowledgement goes a long way. And I think that's a really good point about streams. Having a, a song that does really well on Spotify specifically sometimes has so much to do with timing and playlisting yeah. and everything. But when you have a track on Beatport that DJs and producers buy, right? Like yeah. I'm purchasing this song so I can play. And if someone like Idris Elba plays it on a defected stream, it just, it validates you, man. It validates you. So congratulations on that. I hope you're still riding Thanks, that with bro. You should forever, man. Like I said, life goal right there. Um, but you kept yeah. it going, man. Like Freak Like Me. This one does super well on Spotify too. Love that track. Um, mood, everything about this track works in my eyes, man, because you're putting that Ben Rainey spin on an uber popular track. 
you know, like TikTok yeah. viral type shit. You know what I mean? Like, why not catch that fucking wave? And yeah. you did such a good job of kind of recreating it. And that kind of leads me into one of my final questions about your music. Ending 2020 with Mood, Him and I, and then coming into 2021 with Say My Name. And you mentioned this in a lot of different ways, too. How did you kind of decide, okay, these are the originals that I want to remake. And then how do you try and make it original in the sense that you're recreating an original? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good question. Yeah, Yeah, just just, just touching on that mood track. I mean, you mentioned the TikTok TikTok thing. And I think I was late to the party with TikTok. And I still am. Like, I don't really... (laughs) I don't really understand it, but I'm I'm starting to grasp that it's a big thing and it's not, not going anywhere. So like, yeah, one thing that I would say is like, you know, don't sit on things for too long. Like Clubhouse has just come out. People need to get on Clubhouse and experience it. Even yeah. if even if you go on it and realize it's not for you, you need to make the move because TikTok is like, like for example, like you're probably going to ask me, but like moving forward, making tracks for TikTok and TikTok viral tracks is going to be something I probably will be doing. Yeah. But like that, the mood, the mood track was kind of a test of that water of like, look, like it's not my usual kind of track. It's not really piano. It's not really me, but I'll try it to see if it works. And yeah, it did well. You know, him and I was again, a, a good piano track, but then I have a Halsey my name. too. I have, a, I have a soft spot for Halsey. It's like my celebrity crush too. Yeah. So. That's the thing. You've got to try yeah. these things and, yeah. You know, going back to the, the formula and how it all works, I think because I grew up listening to that much, like, you know, old school R&B, soul, funk, classic house, 70s, 80s, I have that much music in me. Yeah. I have to, like, I can just, I have a list longer than, well, I've got a list of pages and pages and pages of tracks, just random old tracks that could easily get covered. Mm-hmm. that have never been touched and I gradually just chip away at that like I've got so many good covers on my hard drive you know some things I can't really speak about but I can say that things are hopefully about to level up like massively like I'll, t- I'll tell you when we're off the air man and you- you'll be like wow like yeah like put it this way the covers and the the recognition that they've got me and and the people that I'm now speaking to are just like I recommend going down that route to anybody because getting original vocals and getting yeah. good original vocals is so difficult. Yeah. It's super difficult. Whereas actually, you know, people, some people might say it's a bit lazy, but getting a good cover is, is a good option. And at the end of the day, it's not like you re it's not like you're ripping off the song. You completely writing a song underneath that vocal. Like yeah. none of my, none of the tracks that I've covered have been anything like the original. Like it's a completely blank canvas. Right. Uh, for the covers, yeah, I'm kind of always just like, what I usually do is like, I'll I'll get the ideas. I, like I said, I've got all these ideas. I'll try and find an acapella of, you know, like an old school kind of, um, I'll try and find like an old dodgy acapella of the, of the original. And yeah. then I'll start maybe like creating a bit of a, a vibe off it. Like maybe get some pianos down in the same key. Yeah. Get like a kick and a clap, just like a basic drum beat, even if it's just loops. Right, and then I'll make I'll make like a really basic instrumental, and by that point I'll kind of know like, yeah, this could work or maybe not. And then if it's gonna work, I'll export the instrumental, and then I'll export it with the acapella on. And then, for example, if it's a track that I'm doing with Lauren, I'll yeah. send it to Lauren. I'll say, look, what do you think to this? Do you reckon we could do it? And to be honest, she never says no, bless her. She always says yeah because she <laughs> she loves it as much as me. So she'll say yeah, and then we'll I'll say look, okay, like spend a couple of weeks just learning the the track. And we'll get together on Sunday or Saturday, Friday or Monday. And then we just lay the vocal down. And then from there, 
I, I, I extend the, the production out a little bit. I spend a bit more time on it. I get the vocal where as good as I can get it. And then I either I'm happy with it or sometimes I'll export it out to like a mix and mastering yeah. engineer and I'll get it, I'll get them to kind of clean the, the bottom end up and get it sounding a little bit tighter. And then you've got the end product, and then it's just a case of, you know, obviously I'm working with the latest sounds a lot, but I'm not exclusive. So yeah. I usually send them the tracks first just because they've been good to me. So I'm going to be good to them and give them the first kind of, sure. you know, I'm not in con- I'm not in contract with them, but then, yeah, obviously like some of the stuff moving forward, you know, I've, I've signed some tracks to some some major labels, bro, like like oh, no. literally like household name labels, um, as well as still going to be working with the latest sounds. So yeah, the, the stuff that's coming is going to be awesome, but so far so good. And I, I'm just... I almost need to slow down with the covers because I've done that many. Like I have done so many, so many covers. Yeah, they're really good though, man. And and you know what? They work for you. So yeah. continue to do what, what we've been talking about, man. Like you're literally the Autobahn right now. So if you got to go to the far <laughs> left lane, go to the far left lane. If you got to slow down and go to the right, do that, Ben. You're versatile, yeah. man. And it's just really, really cool to see you continue growing and, and challenging yourself as a producer. Because once you get to a certain level, you know, you've got the template, bro. Like, you have, like you said, you've got the quality to get on big labels and you do. So yeah. Thanks bro. Yeah, man. Just congratulations to you, but gosh, thank you, man. hearing these back, even the background, some of these stories, man, I never know what to expect, but you got some good stories, don't you? Bro. Like, I feel like there's so much more as well. Like every, everything's got a, like a story. I've, I've yeah. done some crazy things and you know, <laughs> like it, it's all part of the journey though. And like, I feel like at times I'll kind of doubt in it and doubt in the journey, but I feel like that leads me to where I am now and yeah. you know, what I'm, where I'm at now and the conversations I'm having and the, the excitement, anticipation, anxiety of wondering like, is it going to happen? Like, is this the time to like, are we going to another level? Are we, is it going to go bust? Like it's all just part of the journey. And I think you just got to, like I say, enjoy the ride, stay humble and just take it for what it is. Like just then if you're not enjoying it, what's the point? Absolutely, man. Love it. Congratulations on all your success so far. And for those that don't know, you just released a track called Secrets, which people got to check out. Yeah. Amazing track. Um, Thanks, bro. What, what I want to ask you about next, man, is how you've really expanded your brand to become so much more than a DJ producer. And like I said in the beginning, I think that's honestly necessary these days. People don't utilize mm-hmm. the best tool in the world as much as they should, and it's called YouTube. And yeah. you have just taken and ran with it man you've got tons of different types of content and i'm gonna tell you man like i you you said you looked after james hype when it comes to certain stuff i look to you when i'm trying to develop new youtube content i shit you not man i will send you my youtube after i've got live sets i've got interview clips i've got different types of content that i produce and i'm just trying it all and it's just so cool to see you do live sets you got about 30 different theme sets you are such a beast Piano House, Disney, <laughs> Disco, Funky, Old School, UK Garage, Feel Good Anthems, Glitterbox, love that one, by the way. Fucking props. You got DJ lessons, live streaming help. You know what is the coolest part of your YouTube to me is your most viewed YouTube video. I know you know what it is. It's how to set up a live stream. 90,000 views, dude. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about making an impact to people that need help? That's 90,000 people that said, I want to live stream. I have no idea how. And you explained it perfectly. And that's yeah. not easy to do. So very cool there. Can you believe that um, I got that many views on something so simple that you're probably like, I'm going to try this? 
Yeah, do you know what? It's like one of them things you kind of kick yourself and think, if I knew it was going to do that well, I'd have put a little bit more effort in. <laughs> like, like I just kind of, I think, I'm, I mean, a lot of that comes down to the timing of it. You know, it was, yeah, it was just going into the lock. We'd just gone into the lockdown. People was nervous, you know. It was, um, yeah, it was at a time when people needed it. And I think, you know, to be honest, it's still racking up the views. Yeah. Um, but but that did 90,000 views and that's been out nearly a year. But then I put on, a, I put a how to DJ lesson out in December and that's already done like 50, 60,000. So you've got to think in, in nine months time, that is going to be like maybe like half a million, maybe, you know, it could, it could just grow and grow. And I think awesome. I, I struggle, I struggle because I've got that many ideas and that many different angles. Yeah. I sometimes think, I sometimes think, am I going to show people how to produce? Am I going to show them how to DJ? Am I going to show them how to make a brand? Yeah. Am I going to do a live stream? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I've been consistent down the middle with is the live streams because obviously yeah. the consume, on a consumer level, they are the most popular things. Even though the views might not be as much on each video as that video, overall, if you add all them views up, there's probably like a like good couple of mil, you know, like there's a yeah. lot of views there. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, like, People like people, you know, like it's all right being a cool DJ and having this logo and this brand and the, the blue tick, but you've got to be a person more than anything. And like, yeah. I think I, I think I've always prided, my, prided myself on being approachable, personable, you know, accountable and also genuine. Like anybody who, even if you don't know me, I feel like you could watch my stuff and feel like you knew me. Yeah. Um, like people know, people know my accent. They know how I am. They know my banter. They know my personality before they meet me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great because it takes away that kind of, um, like, the layer, uh, the wall there. That like, yeah, I, it takes away that person. Yeah, 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 totally. It breaks down that barrier of like, um, the way you look at someone because obviously if you looked at me and you didn't know me, you'd be like, right, DJ, quite a few followers, blue tick. Uh, lots of streams you might think like i cannot i cannot approach this guy i can't get to him but the, I'm, I'm the complete opposite like yeah i like it i reply to people i speak to people i help people and i think that will in the long term take me so much further as as a human being and the respect that i'll get for that over you know maybe the, the people that ignored your message and i don't care what anyone says you know like obviously the, you can probably get to a certain level where it does get a little bit chaotic but you can see your DMs. You can see the message requests. You can you can see who's messaging you. Like unless you're getting a hundred messages an hour, which not a lot of people are going to be getting, bro. Like obviously, yeah. big, 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 like Calvin Harris kind of guys. I understand, yeah. but like they have teams that sit on their social media accounts. <laughs> Everybody should be should be more accessible. I, 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 I truly believe, like if I could do one thing, I, I, I want to break that kind of stigma of accessibility because i'm not saying you have to reply to everyone and give them like essays on stuff but like you can see messages if a young dj asks you for some advice give them advice you know and that's one thing i'm always going to pride myself on is being approachable and, and personable and, and that's definitely what's winning for me with the content like yeah honestly like instagram at the minute is just going up by the day like the Amazing. ticker of like you know when you, you re, like you see how many followers and and it's not in like a, a brag way but it's just it's it's kind of fi finally starting to get that. You know what I'm saying? You got like, momentum, man. You got momentum, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So cool, man. It's just really, it's it's really really cool what you do, how you get back as well. You also got the production tutorials, which do super well. And I like how you kind yeah. of label them. You know what you're doing on YouTube, man. How to make Fisher House, how to make Deep House like <laughs> Selected, 
how to make piano. I was like, tool room. I, I, I really, really love that. And then you remake videos. Those always do super well. So hats off mm -hmm. to you for that type of stuff, man. Not to mention your mashups, your edits, your remixes, your VIPs. And this is all free stuff that you're giving away. My yeah. question to you, though, after noting all of this incredible free content is Soundbox, paid Ben Rainey content. And you mentioned this a little bit earlier. You needed paid content to keep a roof over your head. When did you make that step to say, okay, I'm doing free content, but I've got to make money. And how do you kind of formulate free versus paid content? Because that's something that creators need to understand how to actually get a source of income. I don't need to be Calvin Harris to make a living off music, right? I need to have 3,500 students, like you said, that are willing to pay $100. Tell me more about when you yeah. took that step to actually do paid content. That is, yeah, such a, such a good a good way of putting it across. And yeah. I mean, it was a very difficult move, I can't lie, because yeah. you almost worry that you're going to lose respect for looking for income. But the way yeah. I went about it, and I think the way I've built that personable brand, I think people have kind of, you know, took to it. You're always going to get the odd person, like, complaining about paying $30 for a yeah. sample pack that, that you've spent weeks putting together. But... <laughs> you don't need that without sounding horrible you don't need that person he obviously don't want he don't want to buy it so let him go and try and find it on a dodgy torrent website if he really wants to like <laughs> just for just just for the information my stuff's not on torrent websites yet but i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure it'll get leaked one day but at the end of the day like yeah i mean i mean it was kind of a, a panicked a panic slash conscious decision right look let's start getting some content out i started with so, and the good thing was, I didn't just go, right, lockdown, boom, paid content. I started putting out the th the free tutorials. I started putting out the, the breakdowns, the, the remakes on YouTube. I started giving them away for free, building up a rapport, building yep. up an email list, yep. building up a bit of a reputation before I started paid. And I still give things away for free now, like, not everything's paid, don't get me wrong. Like, I give away lots. I, probably, I think it's like getting that balance of, like, look, if you want my premium assets, like the things that actually make me like viral tracked and, you know, my, my, my skill set at the end of the day, it's, it's taken me years now to get like three or four years of not just work, but I've also invested so much money into yeah. courses myself. I've invested yeah. money into engineers. Like when I first started, I used to go and sit with like bigger producers. I never sat, I never like got ghost productions. I just used to sit with them and learn from them. I used to sit with them and say, look, I'll give you like 200, 300, for two or three hours just to show me all your shit. Right. The thing is, if you do, if you do that with 10 people, you all of a sudden have the knowledge of 10 producers to go, bang, that's me now. And obviously, I've accumulated all this, and now I'm giving it, you know? So, like, and, and the thing is, my stuff's not expensive, bro. Like, literally, you said $100. My stuff's, like, $30, $40, bro. Like, yeah. I sell, I sell courses. I sell them. You get three for the price of two. That's one <laughs> of my offers. Yeah. And at Christmas... I was doing them at $25 each. So you, you're getting three courses for $50 and all of them courses are four hours each of my full production breakdown, bro. That's like, like I'm not trying deal. to sell it, but it's a good deal. Like, And now I, I, I had to take that offer off because it was so cheap. But, <laughs> people are still, but the thing is, people are still buying it because they're still doing well. And like, right. yeah, man, it's just, it's one of them things you've just got to, you just, I think it's like the Gary V kind of thing is like jab, jab, punch, like, yeah. Give, give, sell. Give, give, sell. Like people who know me and I built up this report, I'm not money orientated. And the thing is, what I always say is, if you buy something off me, 
I'm probably going to invest that money into giving you something back later down the line. Anyway, it's not like I'm sat here with a, I haven't got a Tesla. I don't wear designer clothes. I don't have a penthouse apartment. Yeah. Every single penny I earn out of this music, I put back into the music. Like, yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got three computers, but I've got three computers so I can give you three times more content. Yeah. It's not so I, it's not to try and impress anyone. It's to, to work harder. Like, I'm so driven in a sense of community and helping and men, like mentality and like, yeah, I want to make money like everybody else, but I don't need more than anybody else needs. I don't want flash things. I want to give back. So that's where I'm at, bro. Amazing, dude. Amazing. And I think that's so important. It, it's something that I've tried to think about a lot more as a podcaster and I do have another income as well. I have, I have a day job, man. And I know exactly what you mean. Um, oh, well. What do you do for the day job? If you don't mind me asking. I work in logistics and transportation, um, third party uh -huh. logistics, truckers, shippers, where I don't die. Oh God, it's a lot, but so, it, yeah. it has given me the financial freedom to not put so much pressure on everything else. But now I'm starting to think, okay, what is the future with trying to monetize premium content for my podcast or for my brand? And it, it is strange to try and ask people that are real fans to pay for certain things when you feel like oh, I've given it away for free for so long. Like, are they going to think differently of me? Am I going to lose fans by asking them for pay? But the fact of the matter is, dude, especially in the podcasting world, and I'd love to talk to you more about this since you're going to be starting a podcast. Yeah. If you even have 100 or 200 real fans, right, and you deliver value to them in ways that they can't get it for free elsewhere, then they're going to be first in line to pay for that stuff. And I think that's kind of an all encompassing way of what you just said. And yeah. I really want yeah. people who are listening to this to understand that it's okay to ask for money for, for the work that you put in. And that's such a backwards thing in our industry. You said you got, didn't get paid for gigs so many times. Me neither, man, labor of love. Right. And we just do it and we just do it. And that's got to change. So I, I, I understand what you're saying, man. Jab, jab, punch. I haven't heard Gary V. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, no. Do you know what it is as well? Like, in in giving a bit of context to what you're saying, I think. Yeah. You know, once you build up that rapport, where it's like, you know, I'm not like it's quite evident that me and you are not in it for the money, but essentially for me to be in this game, I have to make money. So once the gigs go and once like you know things are not as slow, I have to make money. And I think a lot of people kind of respected that and supported that. But the good thing is. Because I do put my heart and soul, like, don't, I don't just put a course out there for the sake of it. I probably recorded three or four courses and they'll never see the light of day because <laughs> I know that they're not. No, but that's because they're not up to my standard and I need them to be, everyone's got to be better so that you keep, because at the end of the day, my mentality is not just, to, I can I can give you an affordable price, but I want to give you things that you're going to come back for more. And I think I've, I'm starting to build that reputation of like, look, we I bought a sample pack. It was wicked. I'm now going to buy a template or a, a course or a, a preset pack. Like, and I've got, and I can see on the statistics, like people, a lot of DJs, you know, they come back and there's guys that have spent like maybe like $150 with me on six or seven different products over the last six to nine months. Because right. I honestly, I genuinely am giving you what I use. I'm not giving you something and saying, I use it if I don't like, you know, for example, like, some of the sample packs are literally straight out of, you know, tracks that I've used. Like I just literally have gone through them all, spent a full day and gone, right, export that clap, that kick, and yeah. then compile them together for you. Like fully processed, mastered, everything <laughs> bang on. Like, and, and but the reason I do that is because I want people to be making tracks like me and I want people to be on that level. And it's not like these samples are magic. You've still got to put the work in and make your own yeah. melodies and stuff like 
you know, like this, and like, even in the courses, I tell people, um, I tell, I, I explain to people, you know, this isn't going to kind of change your life overnight, you know, like this isn't going to be um, the best, this isn't going to define your career. Like you've still got to put the work in because yeah, man. I'm only showing you my process and no matter how many times I show you it, you're still going to deviate or you're still going to go left or right. Like you say, like I've watched other people's tutorials, but still not followed what they've done you, you just you just don't like so yeah i'm just trying to help people bro and like i'm, I'm even looking at um i'm looking at getting like you know government funding um because this thing you can get like grants and like funding where basically the gov if you've got if you're basically helping people they'll pay you so then that way i don't even have to charge people and if i don't have to charge people i won't charge people to get what i'm saying yeah totally like um, like for for the DJ courses, for example, I'm trying to make them free for kids and people under the age of 16. Mm. So that that way, I can go in schools, colleges, universities, and go, "Here's all my DJ like stuff. Take it for free." And then the government will give me a wage as such. And that way, it's a lot easier because there's less pressure to financial incentive. I know I'm going to get a little bit of money for it, but I can give it to everybody. And the more at the end of the day, bro, the more people that take my courses, the more people become fans of me. The yeah. more it's all a that's what people got to remember is like, even if you give shit for free, like you're gaining fans and you're gaining respect. Like, and that's, I think where that's why this year has been so big for me is because not only have I done the content, I've also become the educator and I've also become the go-to guy to like speak to. And I, and I do give, I probably give too much time to helping people rather than focusing on my own shit, but that's what makes me tick over, you know? I love that, man. Good for you. Don't stop doing that, brother. Like that's huge. You're giving back to the Thanks, in, in more ways than you. Can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I want to ask you a question. I I've been asking everybody over the past year. Um, one of my last questions here. And, um, you know, I was asking this question before 2020 came in 2019, you know, we've seen a decade of, of electronic music just go in so many different directions. If you look at when we were talking about 2008, 2011, trans music, Tiestos, 2011, 2014, progressive, Massive festivals, 2015, you know, all around that big room. Then there was trap, rhythm, dubstep. House has kind of always gone up um, throughout the entire course of the thing. My point is so many things have changed our industry. 2020 came, we all are sitting on the bench, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say what's going to come. I guess in your opinion, what do you think this next decade holds for electronic music, whether it be music itself, festivals events artist careers can you look that far ahead is it hard to say um i think a decade is quite hard to predict because if you yeah. asked me what was going to happen 10 years ago i couldn't even tell you because i want dj <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. And, 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 exactly and then obviously the things that have happened in the last five years have changed that drastically but i i, I think if we're going to be more realistic and talk maybe about the next couple of years only because I, I haven't been in it long enough to, to answer that question i think absolutely man i mean i think this whole kind of social media things the bubble's not going to burst anytime soon i think this this surge of tiktok slash soundcloud spotify uh, blow up artists as such is going to carry on going but i think the um the boundaries are just going to get pushed and if anything like you know the pure house heads and the pure kind of techno guys they're going to hate it because people are going to start mashing stuff up you know the pop the pop slash like the Dua Lipa kind of yeah. Calvin Harrisy kind of you know that crossover sound of commercial meets house is just going to get bigger the tiktok songs are going to get bigger and crazier yep. you know you're going to start you're going to start seeing 
TikTok songs in films. You're going to start seeing TikTok songs on adverts. You're going to start seeing, you know, influencers become, you know, TikTok. Just everything's TikTok in it. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. Um, the, the world's going to revolve around TikTok, Tesla, and uh, Techno. <laughs> <laughs> the three T's. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I just think, yeah, things are just, the boundaries just get pushed all the time. And I feel like you don't see it happening and then it happens. Like this clubhouse thing, for example, like came out of nowhere. Yeah, I love it. I, ju- I love it, by the way. Yeah, like I did, I did a little, I jumped on last night and I, 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 I accidentally entered a group and I didn't realize I'd done it, but I put my hand up to speak. So they, so they basically made me the guy to speak. <laughs> luckily, they were talking about music and DJs. Uh, so I ended up giving like a really good kind of insight into like basically how I started growing my momentum last year. And yeah. loads of people messed there was loads of people in the group and they all started messaging me like, bro, that was amazing. Like, wow. Like, wow. And I was just like, fuck, like I didn't realize it was that powerful, but <laughs> I've got, the problem I've got is I don't have the time to sit there and listen to like people talking for two hours. Oh yeah. Um, totally. Like, I love podcasts, but the thing is with a podcast is I can pause it. I can go back to it. Like I probably listen to one podcast a day and like that'll yeah. probably be broke, broken up between 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes on my dinner, 20 minutes on the evening or bits and bobs throughout the day. Whereas Clubhouse, if you're not there, you're not there kind of thing. Yeah, totally. I agree with you, man. And it, it's been really interesting to see sort of like, you know, the, the, the old school house guys, man, and techno guys, especially in America. I, I, can't, I speak, can't speak too much to the European market, but in America, it's just kind of, you have to adapt or die. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the mantra I take on, the advice that I give to younger guys and to older yeah. guys too, man. Like if you aren't willing to put out more content. If you aren't willing to try things like TikTok, then here's the interesting thing about social media platforms. And I know you'll agree with this. Each platform has its own audience, right? Some people love Twitter and Twitter has an incredible community behind it. YouTube, the world's most utilized uh, social media platform, Facebook, Mm -hmm. communities, uh, groups, all those sort of things, Clubhouse, TikTok, everything has its own actual fan base and space. So I think what people are going to need to do is, like you said, the bubble's not going to pop for social media. It is a foundation. No. It is a pillar. So yeah. figure out where your actual audience is, whether you're in any type of music, and then try and just keep targeting them. And that's what I always, yeah. that's what I always think about is like, who is my audience? Let's target them. Let's serve them. Let's meet their needs. And then let's continue to grow like you've done with, with your classes, man. People are talking about you. And with social media these days and the oversaturation of the distrust and promotions and all of the fishing and everything that goes on, people are going back to the 50s and only trusting print media and what they hear from friends and word of mouth. And that's how you have to grow these days. So that, that, yeah. that, that would be my own answer to the question, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think, yeah, going on that, you should show right. And I think that whole building the community aspect is where it counts because like, yeah, yeah, I do have paid content, but every YouTube creator has got paid content. But the way they get you that your trust is by giving you so much for free. I think. Yeah. What I always, what I always kind of say is like, I probably give away seventy five percent of my knowledge for free on YouTube. But the thing yeah. is, if you really want to get into it and get that extra twenty five percent on me, you are gonna have to pay for it. And the thing is, like, it's taken me a while to get my head around this. But at the end of the day, like, I've got tools what people want. Yep. So at the end of the day, I have to charge for that. I can't just give everybody it for free. Um, and yeah. all the creators are the same. You know, I've bought courses off people, but the, prob- the problem is some people, 
sell you the dream and don't deliver. Whereas I don't, I don't try and sell people the dream. I explain what I'm going to do. And if you want to buy into that, you can. And it's not, it's not at a price point where if it's at a price point where if you don't really find it that useful, you haven't been ripped off, you know, not that, not that I've had any like negative reviews. And this is another thing is social proof is everything. Like I've got, genuine reviews like on amazon you know when you see like the verified reviews at the bottom and it says verified customer tick my website's got a system on it whereas like if you do my course you'll get an automatic email after you've completed it saying please leave me a review if you do i'll give you like x amount of money off your next course so course people leave reviews and they're all genuine reviews like and they're all to be honest not just saying it they're all five star reviews like yeah i've never i had one bad comment one bad review before because the guy forgot his password he didn't email me and asked me to change it like and, and to be but to be fair i i saw the review and i was like man you've just taken my reviews from five star to 4.3 or something so i so i emailed him and i, I asked him why he left it and he said oh i've lost my password and i spent like 30 dollars on your course i just said bro i said this is your password and here's two free courses i'm sorry and literally deleted the review and gave me a five star review but that's what i'm saying like I was always willing to help. He just didn't ask. Yeah. So true, man. Gosh, Ben, this has been so much fun talking to you, man. Seriously, like run through your whole story. Uh, it's just so great connecting with someone of your stature that has really been through a lot. And I said that in the very beginning. My last question to you is what, what can you actually tell us what's coming this year that you can reveal? Obviously new music, hopefully some shows. I know there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, June I'm seeing for Europe. Yeah. COVID. Is that what's, right? what's, what's, when are you, have you got the green light yet or not? Uh, we're in phases here. So Chicago, obviously massive city. Um, we actually, we're, we're opening up, uh, like Solardo is playing at a club in Chicago this weekend. It's like social distance, but I didn't think I was going to see that in February. Um, uh, yeah. So, but slowly, but surely I, I'm hoping for, uh, Labor Day, which is first weekend in September for kind of festivals to come back. Okay. So, yeah. We'll see, man. I'm I'm optimistic, but realistic. Yeah, I, optimistic. yeah, I'm exactly the same. And just to touch on that UK date, like I've had this conversation with a few people today, and it's like that's the guideline date, providing <laughs> everything goes right. At the end of the day, yeah. there's probably without sounding like negative, the chances are it could get pushed back. And yeah, that date for June doesn't mean it's going to be full capacity clubs. It might be like oh yeah. you know, it might be like it might be fifty percent masks on. It might be yeah. tests at the dock. Like, the, it's, it's going to be the end of the year, I think. But I think it's going to be, like, September to Christmas before we get um, full flow, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't, even, I don't really even think it's going to be full capacity. The thing to understand, too, is no one really wants to be the guinea pig when it all comes back. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be the, the, the cautionary tale. But, yeah. yeah, at least, you know yeah. what, man? Shit, it's been a year, which is crazy. But here we are. Yeah, here we are, bro. Here we are, man. But dude, listen, I, I really, I got so much love and respect for you. Got so many fans in Chicago, by the way. Um, really? So many DJs here love your music, dude. Absolutely. Uh, I, I uh, kind of, I don't, I don't train up and comers here, but a lot of them reach out to me to want to learn how to DJ, and they always come to me with your mashups, and it's fucking awesome, dude. Seriously, like, <laughs> it oh, works. God great. bless them, man. You, you've got, That's you've got amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like so humbling, bro, because, you know, when you sat here doing all these creative things and you honestly don't, like I said about the streams, like you don't see the volume. Like right. the thing is, and, and and this is no disrespect to anybody, but I think 
I can see how many people have downloaded my, my packs and my tracks on SoundCloud and stuff, but a number doesn't show you the people. And I like to meet people and speak to people. And I think when I hear that off you, that puts so much more confidence and, and gratitude in me because I, you're, that's a real person telling me that real people are playing the music. Whereas when I see the, the, the stats, and I'm not going to lie, like there is, it tells me, you know, thousands of people have downloaded my, my packs, but right. I can't see, I can't see them people to know that. Like, yeah. if anything, you think, oh, that, like this can't be true kind of thing. But when you tell me that, it's like, right, that just motivates me to do more and more. So basically, anybody listening, I'm going to do another pack of mashups to say thank you. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I'm glad. Let's I go. <laughs> I meet, I meet it though, man. You have a big fan base here and you got a, you got a big fan right here as well, brother. This is truly thank an Thank you, man. Me. I appreciate that. Um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank, thank, you, thank you for opening up. Um, it really no, thank you, bro. Thank you for having me. Of course, brother. Um, I'm going to like, end the recording, but I do want to talk to you for a second afterwards. Okay. Cause you've got, okay, bro, yeah. you've got my curiosity. That's for sure. Cool, man. All right, Ben. Thank you thank so you. much, guys. Thanks for tuning in for everybody who watched. Thanks, bro. Peace.